Good people of Los Angeles, we are back in the backyard for another episode of the FCFC pod. Tonight, Jeff Weiss, Ben Grenrock, two writers and interesting individuals with many stories about many things. We could have talked about anything on this pod. We could have talked about rap music for like three, five, seven, twelve pods worth of stories. Um, we could have talked about writing. <laughs> we could have talked about writing, which we get into. We could have talked about independent media, which we also get into. Mm-hmm. But the focus is on voting. The focus is on the election guide that The Land magazine have recently produced. Um, you can find it at thelandmag.com. Uh, you can also find them on Twitter and Instagram in many places. There are so many guides out there. There's so many people mailing you crazy shit, including the cops guide. There are so many just insane claims about these propositions, these assembly members, these supervisors, these things. And we really want you guys to understand that voting in local politician, uh, voting in local politics matters. And now's the time to do it. If you stepped out into the streets this summer, if you cared about any of the things going on uh, in our city, in our country, uh, you know, it's just, it's time to vote and voting local really does make a difference. Slim, do you want to hit him with the warning? Ladies and gentlemen, we are in the backyard at Expo Park. There are cars driving by, helicopters flying over, dogs barking and all that. And as per usual, we will be using profanities. So if you're at work or around children where you shouldn't be listening to profanity, this is probably a good time to stop. Rock the vote, motherfuckers! FCFC. Welcome to the FCFC pod, where two scholars and a dickhead look at the world through a black and gold tinted lens. I'm your favorite fat Korean. It's your boy Slim. To my left is Josh Sexy Spice. Huh? <laughs> that was such an ugly noise. <laughs> to his left is the bearded one, the Dweez. What's up, y'all? I had to turn off the Pharaoh Sanders. <laughs> Happy birthday, Pharaoh. Happy birthday, 80 years Pharaoh. old. And um, tonight we have some very special guests. We actually fell in love with Dweez because of the way he... he tell stories and uh dweez since since we started this pod has told us about you know so, some friends of his that that are the authors of los angeles oh. in, in, in a sense so um you know we we're on here weekly telling the black and gold story not necessarily we just talk about whatever we want to but today we have some special guests that really are telling the story of the culture of la and other things uh we have jeff weiss from the land what's going on and Ben, Brad, Grenrock. Grenrock. I'm so is. bad with names. I asked three times before we started this thing. Ben is the impromptu yeah, guest tonight. He impromptu. Came, came in the back to hang, and now he's here. He's a fellow nomadic writer like Dweez was before he found two Asian friends to make him stay in L.A. for as long as he possibly can. But um, <laughs> That's I've us. Got, I've only got one Asian friend trying to do that. Well, now you have so two more after done. tonight. Hey. Push me over the limit. That's the quota, yeah. actually. Yeah, you're done after this. Thank yeah. you, guys. Three and you're done, man. Hey, welcome. Cheers. Cheers. Whatever nice you're smoking, to meet whatever you're drinking. Thank you guys for coming to the backyard. Yeah, thanks for having thanks us. Thanks for having us. Yeah. I'm wearing a hazmat suit if you guys can't see it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
a good time We're for the mass. Yeah. So, you know, on this podcast, we often talk about soccer culture, football culture, Los Angeles culture. But today, what, we're three weeks from the election. And, you know. <laughs> At I least kinda, that's what my blood pressure is. I kind of want to throw this first question out for the table, in fact. Uh, we can start with you, Jeff. What is your oldest political memory? Um, my oldest political memory. God. Okay. So I was very young and my grandma, like we lived, she lived across the street from, uh, the Century Plaza Hotel, uh, evil place. Uh, although I did like, you know, there was a big, uh, police beat a bunch of protesters in the sixties there. I think it was like 67 or 68. Um, and she took me to meet Ronald Reagan and I had a knife between my teeth. I was four. <laughs> I tried to kill him, didn't work. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a failed assassination. Luckily, when you're four, they just think it's cute. Um, but yeah, I remember meeting Reagan. I didn't meet him personally. I remember thinking he was like I, my favorite thing about Reagan is I just discovered that Philip Roth, uh, his nickname for him was Smiling Hitler. Oh, and I really love that. Yeah, and um, <laughs> yeah, he was like kind of smiling Hitler, and I remember that, and not like I, I didn't have like a political consciousness formed, and then I guess I would. Uh, the second part of it, you know, is is I guess like the Persian Gulf War in like ninety, but like that kind of like I was too young. It really, honestly, is. So my theory is that the nineties start when Bill Clinton plays the saxophone on Arsenio Hall. That's my first. Political memory. <laughs> and that's like the first one where I'm like, oh, okay, this is like something that I can, like my brain couldn't understand. Um, and yeah, that, that that was probably it. And I, I just remember, um, it's interesting that, uh, sorry, it's a long-winded answer, but um, basically, long-winded answers, I yeah. think the the divide between old millennials and, 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 and young millennials um, is coming of age with the Clinton uh, era because it, it seemed kind of cool. Like, you know what I mean? Arsenio was, was Brad and like, you know, Clinton playing the saxophone Arsenio was amazing. And then like they won and they're like, cool. They're playing Fleetwood Mac and like, it's going to be a better country. And then I think like younger millennials are like, Oh, I just know nine 11 and just death and doom. Yeah. Um, oh, so yeah, that took a really dark turn. Yeah. I was still That's, imagining. Yeah. Ben, ben, what yeah. Yeah. Just real. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm curious to know Ben's nine eleven. That, that long winded answer like was great because it did now twice like kind of ping pong to directly to somebody else's political memory. Yeah. Because I think mine is probably nine eleven. Mm. Uh, aside from that, I guess it's the two thousand election. Maybe like I have vague memories of like. Of being in the living room, yeah, no, I guess that that's probably it. I remember uh, being in the living room and watching that happen to my mom, being kind of upset that Bush won, which is ironic because now she's super conservative. Really? Yeah. Yeah, my uh, my dad went really conservative yeah. too. And he's like, when you get older, like I'm like, no, I'm not gonna be older. I'm not gonna be right. fashion. No, she doesn't like, even say that. She just says 9/11. Oh, it was 9-11. Mm-hmm. I think 9-11... That's when it just all started. 9-11, like, rotted a lot of people's brains. I mean, that's how... We, that's why we have Trump, obviously. It's like he's one of those, mm-hmm. like, people that whose brain, like, like decomposed starting yeah. with 9-11. Yeah, also, yeah. like, not enough... I, I really hate the boomers. Like, there's obviously good boomers, but, like, I've gotten really into, like, a cultivating a seething hatred of the boomers that makes me really... Because like, if you kind of think about it, it's it's all, like, they all were, like... I mean, this is not... I'm not... It's such a novel... Not a novel thought, but it's, like, they were... 
told you like don't look at the internet and like it's bad and like don't watch tv and i'm like literally you are like you're a bunch of ghouls that have never read you haven't read a book since clinton <laughs> was inaugurated and like the last book they read was like primary colors or something and yeah they haven't read a book <laughs> all know. they do is get their news from facebook serious readers i really? do i do but that's all they do like really yeah I know, I can think of at least Boom. three. What do, they, what do they read, like Martin Amos or something? Uh, well, <laughs> one of them specializes in, like, World War II histories. Um, They're like scholars. And uh, World War II histories, and then, like, lots of mystery novels and, like, spy novels. Yeah, so that's what I'm um, talking about. Like, fuck that. Right, like, exactly. <laughs> like, lots how, of that like, going on. Like, I love Raymond Chandler and Dashiell Hammett, but, like, how many mystery novels is, are you going to read? Yeah. Like, what, yeah. what like, Have you ever read anything Leave by, Tom by Clancy and his literature out of this, please, no. because Tom Clancy is a treasure. <laughs> he's probably a fascist. Is that your he's oldest political memory? I think he is a fascist. Probably. Maybe. Could be. He's got, isn't he like the clear, didn't he write like Clear and Pleasant Danger and like Hunt for Red October and those things? I just know there's some video games based on his books and that's how I know it's Tom <laughs> Rainbow Six! Rainbow there Six! Many video games. Yeah. Yeah. Him and James Patterson might be the same person. I have no fucking clue. I don't, I don't believe there's any They difference. are the same person. For, for the purpose of this pod, they are the same fucking person. Yeah. What is your oldest? Come on. 9-11? Uh, no, no. Before that. Um, a little before that, uh, Monica Lewinsky's trial oh, um, yeah. with Clinton. And that's because, I mean, that was the one first time I remember sitting in front of the TV with my parents and, like, trying to understand it and, like, everything they teach you in, like, civics is, like, the president is infallible, can do no wrong, right, and all that stuff. And um, I remember defending, having, like, as a, like, a, I don't know how old I was, but young kid to have to defend the president's honor, you know, and trust. like, hey, yo, he's the president, he get his dick sucked. No, 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 no. <laughs> to, be, to be fair, FDR was doing that in a in a wheelchair that no one knew he was had in a wheelchair right. or having oral sex and, yeah. and probably in the Oval Office. I mean, it's like, I... What a baller. You, I clearly, like, obviously, the intern thing, Monica Lewinsky, way too young. There, there are a lot of moral quandaries with that. The affair thing, yeah, also probably moral quandaries with that. But I also think, like, it shouldn't come into play in politics. And, like, that's part of the reason why, like, it's ruined, I think, like, politics in a certain way because it just becomes this, like, investigative reporter game where they can just publish something on a blog and just ruin your life. Or it's like the, it's the North Carolina Senate race is a perfect example, right, where, like... I, forget, I think it's Cunningham had, like, some just really awful, like, like, I would like to make out with you on a bed, <laughs> like, text. And I was like, oh, and like, Jesus Christ. Shout out to Ty King, who's just, like, out in some mansion with, like, 16 concubines. Who? <laughs> the, the, the king of Thailand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're talking about political yeah. I thought, like, figures. Ty King was, like, a politician or something. Like, <laughs> like Alabama. I'm like, man. You never know these man. days, man. No, no, moral quandaries, like, good rap no Moral quandaries are no moral quandaries in terms of, like, the Clinton thing. Like, to get impeached for that. That's insane. Versus everything that our current president has done. Like. Yeah. I mean. Are you serious? That's what our culture thinks is worse. So I've been, like. uh, That's. One day I'm going to write a book called The World's Oldest Millennial. Copyright. Um, (laughs) And. Yeah, my theory is that the millennial thing, like, it, like it's the 2000 election where it's like, like that's the real first like millennial, old millennial kind of conscious. You know what I mean? Where you can vote. Like mm-hmm. I think the oldest millennials were like 18 at the time or 19 at the time, and um, like that was just. Like, I mean, we're about to have a stolen election, or I don't think he's gonna necessarily get. I mean, who knows? I would say it's like a coin flip at this point, but that was definitely the first like stolen. I mean, there, there were a lot of like obviously 19th century stolen elections, and I guess you could probably say. Nixon Kennedy was kind of there was some shysty thing with the Daly family in Illinois or whatever, but like not stolen on the level where like they're like eh, I think we're just not going to count the ballots. You know what I mean? like, <laughs> like yeah, it's like I look, looking at watch like Jeb Bush like sorry. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know. Well, you said that moment earlier with Clinton had like ruined politics and Slim when we were talking about doing an episode about politics he was like man I don't know shit about politics I don't want to do an episode about politics right and that's where kind of the idea came up because you know as a lover of the land now in their second issue well, third um, actually because we uh, we're putting out the zine the election zine this week right so the the election zine is the email I got that came through I knew I wanted to have Jeff on at some point figured there was no better time than now and uh, we'll get into a little bit what's in the zine shortly but how did like this all happen i mean for people who don't know i'm well aware of yeah, you know the of demise course. of la weekly and going to the the funeral ben yeah. was there as well of yeah. course mm-hmm. um at the at the offices over in culver city but can you just give like a condensed yeah. version of sort of like how you came to start your own magazine and sort of started as a writer here in the city of course yeah i mean there's definitely a a a real uh correlation between the political situation and kind of the death the la weekly um and the start of the land you know i think i I came of age in la reading the la weekly and the la times and there used to be other publications uh they like the what was the it was like they had like a los angeles alternative it pressed, but it wasn't called. There was some called something like that. They had City Beat. There were like there was there was a a, a, a cornucopia, if you will, of like random all weeklies, like most of which weren't that good. The LA Weekly was kind of the best one, but the City Beat would publish cool things. I mean, the LA Free Press before my time, but there were there were a bunch of really cool. I mean, that was where uh like Bukowski's like got his break on like writing for the LA Free Press, and also like there's a writer named uh, Lawrence Lipton, James Lipton's father, who actually was like this aging beatnik. Uh, in his like late sixties, and he like had a column in the Free Press. I, I didn't realize that up until like relatively recently. Um, so there was like this proud tradition, and uh, you know, I I got to write for. I started writing for like LA Weekly and the LA Times when I was like twenty five. So I was like super amped. Those were like the first places I wrote. I never was really that. I mean, obviously, I wanted people to read me wherever, but I was super interested. I I, I don't think necessarily being a local writer was necessarily a pejorative in some respect i think a lot of my favorite writers are local writers and I, i'm just a big believer in like the personal becomes the universal and the local be- also becomes universal too like um and so I, I was lucky enough to write for the la weekly and the la times for a long time and then i got a column at the la weekly and i switched to do that and i was a uh, like wrote about cover the lakers mostly covered music did a little like profile the people in the on the road movie terrible movie um <laughs> And like, definitely got a lot of Kristen Stewart hatred. I think I described her face as like all elbows, and everyone's like, "Ma!" <laughs> like, oh my god! Like, I had the other thing, like the whole different thing. It's like everyone is so mean on Twitter, but if you're a writer, I like to describe how someone like looks, and not saying like body shame them or anything, but like, God forbid, you describe how someone looks, which is a part of writing. Like, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Like, I've had editors in the last few years be like, "You can't describe how the way that like the detective looks that in Draco's trial." I'm like, "No, he looks like he swallows serpent eggs," and I'm going to say that. <laughs> like, well, I'm no, sorry. No, if no, I I can't say, yeah. yeah, no, I, I love that because I think ever since I've been reading you, you know, you're, you're, ever since I've been reading <laughs> cool. you from across the table right now. No, but yeah. ever since I've been reading your writing, like you've always taken strong opinions. Um, and yeah, sadly. I think, what was it? What was the thing that you used to say on the on the top of your blog? Oh, even was, if I'm wrong, I got my point across. Even if he's wrong, yeah. he got his point across. <laughs> it, was a, it was a biggie and, line. And, and, it was yeah, the yeah, biggie and, line. Yeah. and that was, you know, I think the first thing I read of yours was. Um, paid dues back in oh, maybe god. 2009 yeah, in the article about tech that. nine right oh god yeah yeah so so tech nine like found his way to pay dues i think it was the first like time the he was second there. headliner i think yeah like, i think it was like mers and slug or something and then like tech right. nine or something and i was like a i think i would i think i had just gotten out of college and i was yeah. like <coughs> going to all the rock the bells and all the paid totally. dues shows yeah. and um i was like very much like a 
backpack rap kind of like you know the purest rap and jeff was kind of like i was reading it i was like damn he's like calling me out right now but then he called tech nine out way worse for like you know lip syncing well he was kind of lip syncing is the thing like he had like i guess like i found out later he had like the dat backing track but it was also like i actually came from like i mean now like obviously that's like uh very commonplace at rap shows i don't think anybody at fucking uh rolling loud yeah people play with the track yeah like but like he didn't like that was like kind of a to use the yiddish it was a shonda yeah and uh like it was you know like you didn't do that and he's like he was up there like dancing like mc hammer and like no disrespect to tech nine i actually met tech nine it was cool like we Mm -hmm. dapped each other up i was like look man like i didn't you know what i mean like if i'd known the platform the la times i could probably would have just shut the fuck up but i had like i thought it was kind of i didn't think it was disrespectful but I, i just thought it was like oh you're like you're rapping like that, but, like, you could... He wasn't doing a good job of covering it up. Like, right, mm-hmm. he was, like, a beat behind. Which I could get it now. Right. He's probably, like, 38 years old and, like, dancing right. on stage, like, in Juggalo paint. But you like, wrote what you saw. Yeah, you wrote exactly. what you saw, and you wrote what you felt. And he, yeah. and God, they hate Jeff's, me for that. Jeff's always done that um, <laughs> over the years. Yeah, and, I think, like, Merz was like, Jeff Weiss is the worst journalist ever. Yeah. And if you've, like... If he you've was been, right. <laughs> if you've been reading music journalism over me. the years, there's been, like, several articles where he, you know, he really take strong stances on artists and people feel however they feel about it um you know the what is the, the post what, Malone what's one. the point otherwise i, I don't understand but, that like i don't get but you've always been that way is my point like yeah, from the very upbringing. beginning even before <laughs> yeah. terrible upbringing um, which you yeah. know which when after the column uh bizarre the bizarre ride, yeah, column, bizarre ride column came yeah. to an end like you you felt strongly enough to yeah. now react the thanks way you ca- did thanks for catching yeah off the page yeah. as well like so yeah i'll go with i'll the, go through the, the kind of basically what happened was obviously this is post trump this is 2017 end of 2017 in the beginning of the year we'd gotten word that daily weekly was up for sale mm. uh it was you know kind of scary to be honest with you because like when a publication gets sold it's like never good you know i mean uh, the, maybe the, the one exception being the, the la times uh, with patrick soon chiang that was obviously a net positive um hate to admit it um, Jeff Bezos obviously net positive for the Washington Post unquestionably I mean like hate to say what would our, our society would be like right now without like the Post and the Times even though there's a lot of stuff obviously you can pick in either publication that like you don't like like yeah. I mean you can go all day right. but like we need like smart reporters and like we more importantly we need money being pumped in to get reporting um, but yeah so I'd been doing this forever uh, and then Basically, it was it was just weird the way it was going. Like the old LA Weekly owners, like totally sucked. They were these uh, people. They were like based in Phoenix. They were like a bunch of libertarians in Phoenix. Like not good guys or anything, but like I, I, on some level, I did have a respect. It was like kind of like old Republican model of like a Mitt Romney or John McCain. Like somebody like not a fan, mm-hmm. but like at least you have kind of respect for things and yeah. more or less. Right. You know what I mean? You like, have code. different beliefs than I do, yeah. but like you're you're still like a reasonable person. Yeah, like I can talk to you and think you're wrong, but we can shake hands yes. and walk away, right. right? And like now versus the thing where like doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, yep. no, totally. It's like it's like Q I mean like, what are you gonna argue with Q and climate change denialism? Like you can't really do that. Right. And so basically the LA Weekly got bought by um these like Orange Counties, like I would call them surf Nazis, but they weren't even cool enough to surf. <laughs> they were just like this this loser, like like on the fringes of journalism, and all they had to do was like pony up. I think it was like one two or one three to buy the publication, from what I had heard, right? Pretty reliable and confirmed, <laughs> like from multiple sources, you know. But whatever. 
And so they, they basically buy the publication in the shadows. They don't they don't tell it. You, nobody knows who the owners are, first of all. Like, there was one guy, he was like the, the point man, which is the most kind thing I could say about him. <laughs> it's just a neutral description. Uh, his name was Brian Kaye. Uh, one of the dumbest people to ever live, honestly. <laughs> so, and just and just looked like the Shermanator from American Pie. And everyone's like, don't say it. I'm like, he does look Shermanator from American Pie. I don't make it up. <laughs> you can make, call me out, whatever. You can be like, yeah. You, you eat pubes. You need a haircut and, like, you know, whatever. Um... So, anyways, he by like all we knew, and so then we did like a little detective work on him, and I mean, it, is, it, it turns out he was the vice president of something called the Claremont Institute, uh, which is like the kind of <laughs> preeminent is the wrong word, but like they're the most notable. Uh, again, notable probably has a kind uh, thing you could say about it, but nothing kind about it. But at Claremont Review, uh, and they um, or Claremont Institute, I should say, um, and the Claremont Institute was this like big right wing think tank. They were called Trump's brains. There was a very famous. Uh, it's called the Flight 93 essay, where this moron named Mike, like it was like writing under the name like Publius, like what a fucking asshole. <laughs> like congratulations, Seneca, like, you fucking idiot. And he was like talking about how, how like oh Trump is like the only way to save democracy. We need to hijack the plane. Yeah, like hi- oh, yeah, God. hijacking the plane is probably what happened. <laughs> and like uh, anyway, so that was published in the, by the Claremont Institute. I think his name was like Michael Anton or something. And uh, Anyway, so that was what this guy, this ghoul, had been the, the vice president of. And he, you know, kind of basically, he had gotten, like, in good with, like, a bunch of, like, the Lincoln Club. Or the, I think, the, the, I think it's the Lincoln Club in, in Orange County. I, I, my brain says Nixon Club because it was more like the Nixon Club. But, like, all these, like, Orange County think tanks and apparatuses. And they ends up becoming the op-ed editor of the OC Register, which is, like, the biggest libertarian paper in the country or was. And they buy the LA Weekly and... um we don't we finally figure out like basically they fire everybody like long story short they fire everybody they don't do any exit interviews they don't no thank you for your service it's just like haha like it's just evil shit you know what i mean it's just like let's clear it out like kind of like what the trump administration does you're like yeah i think we'll just fire everyone at the state department and just see how it goes like it doesn't that's not a plan that's anarchy and not even the good kind of anarchy And Friends yeah, so down. then uh, I started this like big uh, myself and uh, there was another writer, April Wolf, who was uh, who was an amazing writer and, and she wrote the screenplay for Black, Black Christmas. And um, she, we all started um, like this big boycott and about like you know we, we shut down a few events. We we the whole point at first was like to educate people about the bullshit that had happened with the LA Weekly because they were trying their whole business plan was like oh uh, yeah like we'll just these writers will be totally passive and, and stupid. And they'll just keep on writing for us at a lower rate or for free, and we'll be able to sell, like, the brand to unsuspecting, gullible advertisers, right? Mm-hmm. Small businesses that, like, they're not, like, exactly hip to the all-weekly world. They're just, like, I need to advertise, like, my restaurant or mm-hmm. something. And um, got a few, like, food events shut down, which is a big moneymaker for them. And basically, we're able to thankfully box them into a corner to where they couldn't operate in any kind of meaningful way in Los Angeles, which, I, you know, like, like obviously, granted, like, in an ideal world, like, you know... I, Brian Kaye would be like, you know, just, uh, I mean, it would, nothing bad would happen to him. He'd end up being like a congressional. He'd be like Stephen Miller's assistant or something. You know what I mean? Like, he's one of those people where it's like, if you're evil, good things always happen to you. But, uh, yeah, so we were able to kind of shut them down more or less. And we, long story, doubly short, uh, we, one of the meetings we were like, oh, I looked around and I was like, yeah, this is like, no one's going to come to the next meeting. Or like, eight people are going to come to the next meeting. It's like going to be sad. And then I was like, I wasn't. I was. It was like kind of a group idea, and a bunch of us were like, we should do a people's issue, which was like the LA Weekly used to have a people issue of all the prominent, interesting people in LA, and then we um, 
it just invent, morphed like you know like a few like I didn't even I mean I barely knew the other people that I'm in the collective with and you know, but a bunch of people pitched in and somehow by hook or crook we managed to get a publication out uh, in February 2019 and we've done two issues in the last four months which is I don't think people should get too excited about that I don't know how we'll sustain that but um, hopefully hopefully like the plague will lift and people will want to go out again and publications or, or businesses will understand that like I don't know we're like we're all fucked unless we like kind of it's corny to say but like unless people like understand that like yeah like maybe like take out an ad in a magazine rather than put your money on Instagram or like give half of the money to Instagram and take out an ad in a magazine because you can keep it alive and it's the only way that anything's gonna work is if we don't if we stop being like so selfish and narcissistic as a country yeah I mean there's there's few things that I would think would be more insane than trying to start your own magazine like yeah. in those the years that you just described where you guys actually did it yeah and from the first issue um, which I have here on the on the table right now, flipping through, under under the the L.A. night here. Um, it's just it it's incredible. I mean, it's it's all the things you used to find in places like the L.A. Weekly, like you know, artists you've never heard of. They yep. got something great in the Chosen Few in the newest issue. Um, there's uh, Asia, the Compton yeah. rapper in yeah. there, which I think Max Bell profiled. Yeah, great. great. Yeah. Um, and, and like I, I should not to uh, sorry to cut you off, no, but it's ahead. like it's sort of a there's an I, I we I mean my co-editor Jen Swan um, is a brilliant editor and my creative director Evan Swan is otherworldly good. Uh, but yeah, we try to like edit and make sure that the stories are like really thoughtful and good. And that's like you know as somebody that writes, I mean there's a lot there still are a lot of good editors. Not to say that, but you know the time constraints on things like it's just right. Yeah, like, you're like, gotta go, gotta go, gotta get it on the internet. And, like, no one really wants to take the time to kind of make sure that the story's done right. And yeah. that, I mean, yeah. people... So I, I, I get a, a sense, like, I, I, I get a sense with editors that I've worked with, it's not even necessarily that they're bad at their job or that they don't yeah. care, as that they just don't have the bandwidth to even think about it being an option to have the time to try and really make a story the best it can yeah. be. Or it's like, yeah. is this printable? Does this work? Did you do what I asked you to do? Great, you did? Okay, cool. Let's just put it out. Or, like, yeah, I'd, I'd also add to that, a lot of them have really uh, cynical bosses, or the bosses' bosses, and they think that, like, there are, like, I don't know, everyone... <laughs> My theory is like ever like like in my crazy head I'm like most people are wrong and but like I don't know like my experience has been like that not to say that I'm right but like my experience has been like if you just focus on doing the best possible job like things like I, for instance this week I wrote a piece on uh, for the Ringer on Vanilla Ice right shout out to my editor Justin Sales fantastic guy like. It's a 10,000-word piece on Vanilla Ice. That's an insane thing. Like, who would write in 2020 a 10,000-word piece on Vanilla Ice, right? If my if, – if Justin was looking at it from a perspective of, like, why – like, are you – are you and, and to be fair, most editors would. They'd be like, no, never. And, like, you know, that's why – I mean, there are – like, there's nothing more valuable than a good editor. And – like, and the piece, like, you know, it got on, like, long form and, like, it, it's still getting sh- – it's been shared for, like, a week – and, you know, same with my editor at the Washington Post, like David Mallets. He was like, he was like, I'll send you to Dallas to review the Post Malone Festival. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, like, no, sh- no shade on, on – but that piece had, in another form had been rejected by another editor who's, a, who, you know, a talented editor in his own right. But, like, he was, like, worried, like, oh, it's so mean. And my editor at the Washington Post, be, and, you know, to, to be fair, because, like, Jeff Bezos owns it, they, they – they, it's not because of Bezos owning it, but it's because they have – they don't have to worry about money, right? They don't have to worry about getting retweets and shares. Mm. They're just like, we're the fucking Washington Post. We'll do what the fuck we want. Right. Don't – you know what I mean? Like, But ironically, which, that story probably did end up getting oh, a lot of attention anyway. Both right? of them mm-hmm. are, like, two of the bigger stories I've ever written and, like, ironically connected. 
because they had the same A&R. Um, or the guy that runs Republic Records, like, the, is Post Malone's label, was the same guy that basically discovered Vanillaise, more or less. Mm -hmm. So there was definitely a connection there, and they clearly had learned from how to not fuck up the bag, like, with Post Malone, right. where they did with Vanillaise. But, yeah, like, it... And with the land, like, we, I don't know, like, our most popular story to date, well, like, there's been two. Um, one was Squirrel. Right. This story basically was about, like, how Squirrel, like, this, like, gentrifier, like, starter pack restaurant in Virgil Village, like, had, had moldy jam. But it was, like, more than moldy jam. Like, they kind of yeah. were, um, they were really disrespectful to their employees. And kind of the, the owner was this woman that basically was taking all the credit for, like, being, like, this, like, wonderkin chef and, like, it was other people many of them people of color that had come up with the recipes and the dishes and right, like right. it was kind of about like the ethics of the food world and kind of how like the people that come up with the ideas often get shit on for some like and it, it's very similar to kind of how the world works in general but like um so that and, and the other story was like that was super popular was like about pioneer fried chicken it was this, uh, caleb horton great Love writer it. but like i don't know like Love i don't know if you, are you guys from la yeah guys, yeah well, he's not Okay, no, but like, do you remember Pioneer Chicken? Like when you were growing yeah. up, like they were everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. So like, I don't know. He's like, yeah, I want to do stuff about Pioneer Fried Chicken. I was like, hell yeah, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like I was like, it was do great. it. And it was great. fantastic, and it and like, it was still the most popular. Story. It still gets tons of traffic. Like I mean, we're not making money off traffic because like we, you know, we we're just like kind of a, still a DIY startup, but we're starting to get people in place to help us out. But it's still like really yeah. fucking buy your bootstrap shit. Like there's no money, and um, but yeah, like you have to kind of just be like, is it good? Just at the end of the day, like, I want this, is, the, is, the, is it, is that, or is it cool, or is it interesting? Like, not will people like it. I don't care if, like, how will I know what people like? All I can know is, will I like it? And I'll hope that there's enough people around, and, like, if the other editor or, or and creative director like it, then, like, I don't know, you, people have to take risks, and I understand why they don't, because there's no money in journalism, and, like, everyone's kind of, you know, but it, it was cool to be able to do this as, like, a antidote. You know, maybe not a, certainly not like a solution, but at least like a kind of cool thing on the periphery of. The no, I think it's more than a cool thing on the periphery. I think it's given shape to a lot of the stories that I've wanted to see about LA for a long time, and just clued me into a lot of things that, again, those those old publications that we were talking yeah. about that no longer exist, that don't exist in the same way if they do exist. And, and shout out to LA Taco, you know, they do yeah, a great job. Yeah. In, in Javier Cabral is like a, a, amazing, and, right. and the publisher is an awesome guy. Yeah. Can um, you go into, like, a little more into when you say, like, it's got to be good, it's got to be interesting. Yeah. The the scroll piece is, is high on my head, as, as along with some others, but for you as someone who lives here publishing... Uh, essentially like a LA centric zine and it's an LA centric magazine for people here what what other qualities do you look for to, to kind of like commodify what good and interesting looks for you um, I, I think it's stories that are like kind of uh, exist the intersection of culture where it's like not just a food story mm. it's not just like this restaurant is sick which like if the restaurant is cool fun like so be it like if the restaurant was so good and hadn't been covered and it was like but like for it would be like if you're like yeah there's like a family it'd be like more like oh there's like a Salvadoran family that like is mm. three blocks away and like the food is beyond belief and like the, their story is insane about how they like fled the El Salvador civil war and like you know what I mean like oh and like somebody got you know what I mean like or it's like Rucci we had a story about this rapper Rucci from Inglewood right like I wrote it for the first issue and I wanted to do it because I mean yeah Rucci's music is great like he's an, he's an awesome like artist and I, like I fucked with his shit heavy but at the same time, it was like, there are a lot of, I mean, there's not that many, but there's a few other artists I could have chose. But Rucci, you know, his his father was Salvadoran. His mom was black. He grew up in, uh, his dad was born in El Salvador, moved here when he was two. He grew up, they grew up in North Inglewood. Like, the family was a kind of a neighborhood, like, Piru, like, kind of, um, 
royalty more or less you know his dad was like super well known mm. and ended up getting deported to El Salvador but like he was in a black gang in LA so he had all these like tattoos you know obviously in El Salvador like a lot of like MS-13 like mm-hmm. it's from LA mm-hmm. all these people got deported to El Salvador and now like they're like oh you're Inglewood you know what I mean you're in your neighborhood Piru like in our you know what I mean and you're Salvadoran like oh we're gonna kill you so he had to flee to, for, to Tijuana where he's living now he can't get back into the country for god knows how long and um it's like stuff like that but it's like more than that it's like yeah. I wanted to call you know like uh, Taco like that's uh you know like the Gucci's dad's name and like I wanted to call like Taco and be like yeah, talk to him on the phone. Like, tell me about your... You know what I mean? Like, I, I talked to 211, like, you know, because 211's kind of the OG, like, Richie's OG. And it's, like, stuff like that where it's, like, you have to know that. Like, I mean, it's not like 211's number's in the fucking phone book. And, like, I don't think Richie's going to give his dad's number to, like, any random stranger. And, like, that's, I think, the point of, like, having a magazine like that. I'd like to cultivate... I mean, it sucks. Like, I wish there were more... I wish it was... I wish we could be weekly. Like, in my dr- in my dream world someone would have just bought the LA Weekly and not fucked it up and like actually put money into it because it could have been really like it could have been like a thriving thing Mm -hmm. still even it could I mean now it might have been difficult but still like you you know I I don't know I just think like a big reason why publications like got fucked up over the last 10 years is not only because of the internet it's not only because of I mean a heavy part of it is corporate ownership but like a big part of it is um you know like it's mostly corporate ownership, honestly. It's like <laughs> well, and, they and just took over and didn't put the right people in. And kinda... I feel like TMZ had a big paradigm shift in how news and information was taken in because, like you said, it didn't matter about the quality m- anymore or about even having accurate information. It's really just about getting the story out first. Yeah. I mean, the internet, I mean, definitely, obviously, but a huge role in <laughs> fucking everything up. I mean, you can't ignore that. It's massive. But it at the same time, like, I do think that... Um, I mean, LA Weekly was doing a pretty good job, all things considered. I liked, I thought that the staff was, was great. I mean, if my only note would have been, like, on it was, like, they needed to hire more LA. I mean, but that's, I could say that about everything. It's, like, they need to hire more LA people. But, like, it's it's hard for an LA journalist to kind of do anything because, like, I don't even know how you would anymore. Like, I don't, you know, it's there's not really writing jobs. Like, I feel like my editor at LA Magazine's like, he's like, I think you're the last freelancer, like, I know that still makes it. And I was like, I don't know about making it, but, yeah, it's there's not many places to write. And, um, As a young writer, quote in yeah. quotes, I'm not that young anymore, but career-wise, in terms of what I do, I am. I feel like there's just so no chance that yeah. I just throw up my hands and I say, if if something comes across my plate and I get to write something cool about something I care about, that I get to like put my time in and share a story that matters, amazing. But I, that's like. I, I, I can't even look at it, I feel like, in the way that you looked at it when well, you were, like, coming up but with, that's like, the also thing the you're problem. trying to do because it doesn't seem like there's a doable way well, that, Yeah, that's also the problem. I feel like how many people, like, how many people's, like, dreams haven't, like, forget coming to fruition. Like, just, like, never even, like, kind of passed the dreaming stage. But, like, the, the initial dreaming stage because they're like, no, that's not even something I can conceive of. And it's like, you know, my friend, uh, you know, Rosecrans Vic, great. Like, Rosecrans Vic, like, honestly, like, he doesn't write that much, but, like, when he does write, he, like, with the right editing, he's a great writer, you know, and, like, he could be an amazing writer. Like, I know, I have full confidence, like, he's a super brilliant guy, and, like, but, you know, he can't, no one can make a living as a writer now, so he, you know, he does PR, he writes his label, you know, he does management, like, he has his, his blog as well, and heavily focused on Instagram, he threw shows with the Don't Come to LA series with me, like, he's not, he doesn't have the ability to kind of just be a writer, like, he doesn't have that luxury, but, yeah. and it sucks, because, like, Vic is a fucking great writer. And like he could do, an, a, I mean, and he had a story in the chosen few, as a matter of fact. And I'm so happy I could give him the opportunity to do that and be able to pay him a little bit of money for it because who else was going like Vic? I mean, people know is like a Mexican guy. Um, I think he's from Downey, um, pretty sure. 
Uh, and yeah, but like I don't know, Chosen Few was a rap group uh, from like about the Crenshaw and Flossen area, and they're uh, I think like like one is Salvadoran, two of them are Salvadoran, one's like uh, Nicaraguan or something, or Honduran I think. Um, anyways, but it was just like about the changing neighborhood, the demographics of LA. It just it, it's you have to create these kind of things or they won't exist, and that's what I, as the older I've gotten, the more I realized it do, it just doesn't. You know what I mean? It's like I did. A show series with a bit called Don't Come to LA. It didn't exist. Like, Low End Theory had been the previous thing, which I know you guys all went to, and it's like, that was the greatest thing I've ever been to. Yeah. And then it was gone, and Funkmosphere was gone, which was also an amazing Dame Funk. Like, yeah, didn't, yeah, you never did. Yeah. I knew about it, but I never went. Oh, Funkmosphere? No, it was fantastic. At the Virgil. So great. And at the Carbon, too, before it was at the Virgil. I mean, it was amazing. Bits Dame did it for like a decade. And the other guys, like Billy Goods and all the other Funkmosphere, like, residents, um, it was super cool and like you know but again like it comes back to like we got fucked like you know it, it like the venue was like really shady with us like went to different ownership and like they they kind of fucked us over and then like now red bull uh, you know hopefully we're, we're still gonna work with red bull but you know obviously there was kind of a transitional period for them in terms of like you know as with almost every company i mean like i can't as much as like you people can say negative things about Red Bull, I'm like they're like one of the only companies that has like stood up for like independent really? culture over the last 15 years. It's like I don't care if yeah. like they have put a lot of yeah, money into that. They had someone jump from space. Yeah, <laughs> that's Shit, true. Better than that, they flew me to Berlin for no real reason. <laughs> I saw Tony that's, Allen. That's there. actually even huger. I saw than Tony Allen. Space, yeah. Like oh, yeah, yeah in Berlin. Like yeah, but I mean things like like things like a an energy drink company running deciding to run their own music publication like at the time when they did it that's kind of like the thing that would need to happen for stuff like independent totally. media to continue yeah. is like these corporations that have who unfortunately have so yeah. much power in our society right now would have to have the people in power within them to say you know what actually we do care we, we, we care about this thing let's like make sure it doesn't die uh yeah. And I don't know. That's something that I've definitely, yeah. as much as I don't like drinking Red Bull, I do like like respect that company at yeah, least for totally. They for took having a, their hey, music academy. And they stuff took out like two that's... ads in our last issue. They were like two of five. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like you gotta like respect. I mean, like, and I'm not like granted like obviously I'm biased because they took out ads. You know what I mean? But at the same time, like I don't know, other companies weren't lining up to take out ads. Like you know, like I, I hit up a lot of people. Nobody wanted to take out a fucking ad in a print magazine. And they did it with, like, you know, they had their Red Bull records. And this is Artist Blast. We just did a POW thing. He's good. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's a good artist. Like, it's not bullshit. Like, he had, like, a street following in L.A. Like, that's cool. Like, we were able to give a full-page ad. I mean, I, like, we didn't, you know what I mean? I, like, didn't talk about that or whatever, like, publicly. But I don't know. It's 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 cool to have that kind of thing to exist. And, it, it I, like, it won't. I mean, we've seen it not exist anymore. I mean, I think that's been, like, the story of most cities. I mean, look at New York. I mean, like, I have a lot of like talented writer and artist friends in New York but I mean I don't understand why there's no Village Voice I, yeah. to me like I don't get why they didn't start a Village Voice yeah. I would love them to like you know I get it it's hard to fucking be in the city and like but like I don't know like but isn't it crazy to think of like all of because I remember you saying this at some of the meetings in LA uh, and it didn't happen instead it's turned into the land the meetings after like the Save LA Weekly meetings where you would say stuff like this and i just can't believe you know about people in la i can't believe it's this way in new york with all of the rich people in new york yeah who care about whose values i would I think know. align with mine and yours and ours like 
that no one was willing to step up and say, "What? We can't have a New York City without the Village Boys." I think you have to just like, get to them. I mean, we're not good at that because I'm like, I mean, I'd like to think I'm not an asshole that knows a bunch of billionaires. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, I, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> although, although I did get, like, I, yeah, I was an author. I got a comment from a rat billionaire. I'll just say, like, uh, I, I, I'm not to talk about it or whatever. But uh, a rat billionaire said he liked my piece in the forest fires. There's not that many rat billionaires. It was not an LA rat billionaire, so you can guess who it was. <laughs> but he was like, I was like. Okay, I read about rap too. Like, you must not think my writing about rap is good, but I was like, actually, that's tight. I was like, honestly, let you know. I was like, all right, cool. Like, if there was some rap bill, you know, they didn't like my rap writing, but like my forest fire writing, I'm like, hell yeah. Like, <laughs> you can think my rap writing is trash. Like, whatever. I'm annoying. It's cool. Yeah. I'm for forest fire writing as well. Yeah. Um, on that note, let's take a quick break. Yeah. We'll be back with Jeff shortly and talk about the land's uh, voter guide. P time. Back here, FCFC Pod. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, go. We're here with the founder, editor of The Land magazine on the precipice of uh, the election issue. Did you try to use big words because you're a writer? Bro, you know I always use big words, bro. This fool word. always yeah. fucking docks me for fucking using big words and all of a sudden he's difficult like, words, it. man. That's why it's I'm a, a dickhead. Yeah. Bro, I just it's read the, the story you had on um, with uh, the Jackie Lacey uh, empire and legacy here and from I think... Draco. Um, yeah. Yeah, with Draco and it was... I, I texted Dweez immediately and I was like, this is... I was just like, it was like it was really sad. Like, that's why I felt yeah, it. And I think something you wrote in, something that... Um, yeah, I mean, I would say thanks, but that's... Yeah, it's sad. No, for sure. Thank. Yeah, yeah, I, I think, were you... So you were writing with um, Draco on, on, like, as he was, like, telling you over the story. Yeah. And Can you was, give a basic yeah. rundown on what the story's about? I, yeah. um, so... Draco actually, you know, go, it, it's a segue because I first covered him for LA Weekly. Uh, mm-hmm. I had an LA Weekly column, uh, Bizarre, and I did, like, a blog post uh, for the website Passion Weiss or POW, um, and on Draco and it was like best new rapper I was like upset I had just ran I heard his music for like a, a while before like maybe a year before but like it just clicked for me and this is like early 2017 or mid 20 it was like no it was like mid 2017 and um I did like a like this blog post and then uh his uh, producer or an engineer uh Fizzle hit me up like on Twitter randomly he's like do you want to talk to Draco I was like uh sure like you know what I mean he, they're like he's in jail I was like oh shit like I was like alright well I'll go to uh MCJ downtown to visit him and I'll do a column on it. So that was the first time I ever met Draco. This was like July, June or July 2017. Mm. And, you know, like I meet him, you know, through the thick plate glass and like talking on the phone and they like don't let me have any notepad or any pens or forget recording material. So I have to do this interview with him. Um, and I had to like remember all the quotes that he gave me. So it's like an awkward way. And then like he gets out of jail like three months later and um, I, I got the LA Times to like give me this like. I mean, it ended up being like a front page calendar story on a Sunday uh, where he had just been out of jail. He just recorded Cold Devil, which is, for my money, the best L.A. rap album of the last decade, probably. Like, no offense to Kendrick Lamar, but I'd, I'd, I'd take Cold Devil over Good Kid, Mad City. I'm, I'm one of the few people that would say that, but, like, to me, good, Cold Devil's, like, one of the best rap albums ever made. And um, so, basically, I, you know, I did this big interview with him at a house actually really close to here. It was, like, somewhere in the 40s, I think, or maybe the 30s. And... Um, I did this interview with him. Then, like, I get a phone call from uh, 
from well it was actually his uh, a guy who works with Picasso hit me up and he's like yeah they're doing crazy shit to Draco in jail like I'm like oh they arrested him I'm like what they arrested him he got arrested at a smoke shop in the hundreds uh, they found a gun on him they took him to jail it seemed like the cops were following him which it probably was a form of racial profiling as we the Metropolitan Division uh, was pulling over I think black people at, at a rate five times their share of the population um, so he got profiled found with a gun taken to jail uh, his conviction it, it, the whole situation is fucked up and I kind of talk about it in the article where it's like his first felony well his, he has a juvenile strike yeah. for stealing a bottle of liquor from a Ralph's on, on like I think it was like Wilshire in Vermont or something you know mm-hmm. and um no, this is a cigarette. No, just a regular cigarette. As I just second. interrupt, yeah. Oh and the security. I interrupt my story. I'm like, is that? Yeah. Like, is that weed? I'm like, get over. <laughs> it's so heavy. Get over yourself. It's so heavy and fucked up. It's like you need some way to relax. I was like, but I'll, I'll get on that right now. Um, but so, I read, I read what you wrote when he was. Yeah. Was he 16 when that happened? He was 16. Yeah. 16, and, and, and then the guard, security guard put him in a chokehold and. He fought back yeah. and clipped him on the shoulder, and, and then they, they yeah, said it was and that becomes robbery. and that becomes like a juvenile felony strike. And yeah. then his first time he got brought to jail, he was twelve years old for stealing from a tip jar, yeah, for a dollar from a tip jar in Pasadena, right? And like he goes into jail, and all the jailers were like, "They brought you here for this," like you know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, that's how they treat young a lot of young black males, like you know what I mean? And it's like they don't do that to white kids. Like I knew kids that did bullshit like that. They mm-hmm. never fucking took you to jail. Like you never even got in trouble usually. Like you might have gotten to talking to. Yeah, maybe, right? Like, like what Draco had a felony juvenile strike for is the plot of Superbad, yeah. you know? And, like, so then, like, when he was 19, he got pulled over. Uh, and, you know, like, Draco had no, I don't think really talked about those things because, you know, it's like he's, like, I mean, he's from, like, he's not faking shit. Like, he, those people, you know what I mean? Like, he's from the streets. Like, he doesn't, like, I'm not going to talk to a reporter about this shit, but, like, I just, I've known Draco now for, like, four years almost. And it's like, you know, and... uh so basically, his you know he got pulled over. Actually, well, he got pulled over. It's a crazy story. So he got pulled over when he was sixteen. Also, the same year he got that that juvenile strike conviction and got shot because the LA Sheriff's Department like basically profiled him for like just walking down the street like as a young black kid, forced him to the curb. Some people saw him shot. He got shot as as soon as uh, as the cops left, right? And like the same intersection was where Dijon Kizzy got stopped by the, the LA mm. Sheriff's recently and murdered. Um, and so it's just crazy, you know, and um, yeah, so then he, he, when he was 19, I think he got a, his first felony was like possession of Xanax. And it was just, he got pulled over by um, the cops again. There were three people in the car. Like, they're like, you're on probation from, I think it was from the liquor thing. And they're like, you're on probation. The Xanax is yours. And because he's a young black kid, like, it's a felony intention to distribute yeah. right like and that doesn't happen like i mean how many people do we all know that have got pulled over as annex suburban moms yeah yeah t- totally right yeah. like yeah how many housewives were on fucking volume in the 1950s like right like you know and um so yeah and then basically draco then you know anytime he gets caught with a gun is now like a huge potential six-year thing because then they throw a gang enhancement on you even though his rap group is a gang they claim his rap group is a gang which mm-hmm. is fucking insane because these laws were written in like 1988 yeah it's any, anything over three people yeah yeah so like we, i mean fcfc could be a gang oh for sure if you if one of you guys <laughs> sold weed or did or like uh tap, <laughs> it <could be> a gang. <laughs> no seriously though yeah. like but it doesn't have to do the same crime and shit like it can be anything like yeah. you know what i mean if you have a sign and like that's what they did in draco's first murder trial which he beat all the all the murder charges um you know, they would show up all these things, and it was like, what's this? What's this? And they're, like, showing up them just throwing up their, their stink team sign. Like, and it's like, that's not a fucking gang. Like, every rap group has a hand sign. Like, you know what I mean? Like, 
fun. If you want to, if you want to be honest and try to legitimately try them as a gang, I don't even know what the fuck that would mean though in this day and age. Like, what, what the, what does a fucking gang? Mean? You know what I mean? What does a gang mean? Like, it, it's a bullshit word. It doesn't mean anything. Anyone can be a fucking gang. What's the difference between a gang, a crew, or a fucking posse? It's literally embedded into fucking hip hop from the get go. Literally, the first rap song that ever blew up was by the Sugar Hill Gang. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and like, fuck you, all these like, and I hate that. That's what I hate about the fucking court system in America. Mm-hmm. Like. I mean, it's it is fundamentally rooted in white supremacy and and, and uh, you know, and basically and it never really stopped. You no, know, never. It definitely never really yeah. stopped. And like, and you know, I, I have an article uh, coming out on Draco hopefully very soon about this whole like a more explainer, a ten thousand word piece of, like explaining yeah. the whole craziness of what happened because I've he's still been having these court dates and it's I mean they're trying to retry him again for like this it's called 182.5 a gang conspiracy law he has a gag order on him his lawyer has a gag order on him they're trying to make it so no one knows about it um, they're completely trying to silence him their claim is that out of 10 million people in Los Angeles if Draco tweets about his trial like it'll poison the jury that's like they said he was stoking a racial tinderbox they said this in court wow. uh, for tweeting about Black Lives Matter yeah, and, and the DA had the nerve to say we don't think we can get a fair trial they should all, like, honestly, like, just, I think they should all burn in hell. Like, I have no problem fucking saying that. I don't understand why that's even a controversial statement. But, like, I mean, these are, these are evil people. And the saddest thing about modern life is that maybe they never really did realize they're evil. But now no one realizes they're evil. It's like all the racists don't think they're racist. Mm-hmm. And all the evil people think they're, like, just in favor of law and order. And probably always was this way. But now we have Twitter, so we kind of see it clearly. But free Draco. Yeah, on that note of... Uh, <laughs> free Draco! Free Draco always. In... I mean, the unfortunate centerpiece of not only the piece here, but um, in in a broader spectrum is is um, DA Jackie Lacey, right? Which is also oh, yeah. with with Black yeah. Lives Matter. I remember attending a protest and at City Hall, and the yeah. the, the very concrete demand was that Jackie Lacey yeah. get get thrown from thrown from her seat. Yeah. And Jackie Lacey is behind a lot of these very very stringent. Um, yeah. Gang, gang, gang laws. She inherited gang. them. Ironically, she inherited them from uh, one of the main people was the prosecutor. Uh, D- uh, Draco's first prosecutor was this woman named Shannon Cooley, and her father was Steve Cooley, who was the head of the DA before Jackie Lacey, mm. and was the DA for most of the 2000s. So, uh, you know, he plays a huge part in all this, and he was like a Republican and, like, you know, just a law and order asshole. That's gotcha. actually why, like, they. Part of the problem with the whole Draco case is, like, I, I think I wrote negatively about uh, Shannon Cooley, the DA, and now she's a judge, of course, because, like I said, all evil people fail upward. <laughs> and, um, yeah, they, they really were mad because, like, no one had ever written anything negative and, and about these people. And I don't know. It's, I, I, well, again, because there aren't enough all-weeklies. Right? There should be, like, yeah, robust right. mm-hmm. all-weeklies that call these people, put their feet to the fucking fryer and, or put their neck to the guillotine. Right, and, and no instead, one... I mean, instead, what we do have is Instagram, right? Mm-hmm. And like back in the summer, all of us, or most of us, were in the streets protesting. What is the theme you kept hearing again and again? It was like, okay, you know, at the speeches, people say, "Yeah, get out and vote." Yeah, get out and vote. Um, the land went ahead and put together a voting guide um, with our friends s- at uh, Knock uh, in Ground Game LA. Like they, 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 like they did a lot. Like the, it was a partnership. They did a heavy role. Yeah, and, but I mean, the issue was all election based. But the, the voting guide specifically is there, right? And and I mean, for those of us, myself included, who like you know, of course, certain offices you might be aware of and things you might know. But like, if you had paid attention during those protests and just seeing the ways, the insidious ways in which local officials really are dictating the way things are in the city that we love, in the city of Los Angeles, um, I think, you know, this is a year you can't, you can't post a black 
image on your Instagram or you know the black thing, and then go ahead and like by the time you're voting, just vote for the president so and forget everything else, right? You can't you can't do these 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 efforts, and I know there's people listening who like might not know who, what what the deal is with the you know the different branches of the government in LA County or LA City. Or right. who, might it's not so even know who your council member yeah, yeah. is, right? It's fucking complicated. Like I didn't realize I had the DA was on the assembly. ballot, man. It's I had for, remember, for a longest time. Yeah. I remember George exactly Gass- which Vote is, for George Gascon, I should just Yeah, say first it. of all, yeah. George yeah. Gascon is the opponent for Jackie Lace in the DA, the district attorney race, which is a county position. But um, you know, I was I was actually listening to to the Uprocks Uprocks put together a podcast. Talib runs it, Talib Kwali with the People's Party and uh, Melina Abdullah was on today. Oh, that's cool. She's incredible. Yeah. yeah. And you know, you guys her, have yeah. written about her yeah. when and interviewed her in the first issue of The Land, you know, the co-founder of Black Lives Matter LA. She's brilliant. Um, and she was talking about the fact that since George Floyd died, uh, 20 more people in Los Angeles, whether through yeah. Sheriff's Department or yeah, LAPD, have been, yeah, have been, yeah, have been shot totally. by law enforcement. So, yeah. You know, this isn't something that was just that happened in June and we're all meant to forget about it. Um, these positions and these things are affecting our lives in different ways. And just for example, two of the districts that are up uh, for city council members are actually in Koreatown or touch Koreatown. Oh, yeah. It's the, the two ne- ones ne- right above Nithian us. Right yeah. yeah. So we're yeah. here. And we're, we're talking to you guys live from the 8th district. <laughs> but then there's there's two that um, the next two up north northwards, yeah. you know, kind of the southern half of Koreatown and the northern half. Neither for the city, baby. Let's go. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. yeah, she's she's cool. She bought a jumbo pack of the land, so she knows how to like uh, make us buy it. No, yeah, that's kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, but like, but you know what? For regardless of that, like all these, like, I and mean, there are a few politicians that like get it. And, like, well, she was when Mike Bonin uh, in in Venice is I, I he, his his constituents a lot of his constituents hate him, but like he he rides like he's 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 hardcore. Like, there's just not that you know like. We need to know who our city council people are. Like, we need to know that Mitch O'Farrell sucks. We need to know that the like, supervisor. I mean, you got Holly Mitchell, you know, and she's she's yeah. she's running. So it's like all these different positions. Yeah. You might not be clear about what they do, myself included, and sort of preparing for to have Jeff on and and reading the story that they put out. One funny thing, I don't know if it happens in every neighborhood. It certainly happens to me more in this neighborhood than in other neighborhoods I've lived in in L.A. But I get canvas to yeah, shit with signs out on my lawn and i get like you get the cop voter guide oh of course i have the cop Dude, voter the cop guide, voter right guide honestly is it, it's so bad it's did you amazing. get this to your house they're like they're like yeah they're like they're like vote no on racial yeah, equality so, you're like that's yeah, the copiest 16. thing you could ever cop <laughs> right you know so i mean so here's here's the thing right like if you <laughs> they're like it divides the for races. those of you who are like you divide the races in jail <laughs> yeah. you evil motherfuckers those of you who are listening who are just like you know getting jazzed up about this whole the presidential election or whatever like yeah. you know and the only the only things you're hearing about these uh these various propositions and the local officials are through these like, little mailers throwing 250 million dollars to yeah, not give workers it's, comp basically it's just important it's important to look at different things and yes there are other news sources the la times included you know la taco i know did one on the propositions yeah. recently I'll, I'll assume there's gonna be other ones but the more you can just educate yourself about these about these things you can follow through on some of the stuff that happened this summer and so i mean yeah, yeah talk it's the, it's the only way it, i mean i, <coughs> I like especially because joe biden's like the nominee it's like i mean you know what <laughs> fine <laughs> at this point like, fine but like you have to we have to be able to enact change on a local level the main thing about the uh i would say about the the federal level is that these cities need money. These counties need money. The state needs money, and the government's only people place that can like actually print money. So we we that really matters a lot. And you might think your vote doesn't. I mean, yeah, okay, granted, if you're gonna vote for Joe Biden in California, your vote's probably not gonna matter. But like, it, it is even if you don't like Joe Biden, 
Um, like, if you're progressive and you don't like Joe Biden, I, I feel like most progressives are probably voting for Biden anyways. But there's so much money that will come to the city and state and, and local governments because of a Democrat election, especially during the pandemic. So mm-hmm. it's really imperative right? And I think for that, that, too. I think that's something that a lot of people just kind of assume and take for granted is like, oh, we live in L.A., we live in California, we live in progressive places like, you know, we got to worry about the presidential election, but we, you know, LA's always going to be progressive. We don't really have to worry about what's it's going really on. really not there. even progressive but, in a lot of ways. Right, so. well, that's what I'm like, saying. Look that, at Eric that's, Garcetti, that's, that guy's a That's what clown. Your, yeah. your story and, like, uh, I think personally, like, meeting you has, like, opened my eyes to in a lot of ways just through a lot of things you've talked about and written about. Um, that it's not just a given. It's not just something to take for granted. It's something that happens because people vote and people educate themselves on stuff. Yeah. That's that's why LA is yeah. progressive or maybe seems like it coheres with your values or vision of the world more than another city. It's uh, like an ongoing process and I don't yeah. know. I Can mean, you like, talk about what, um, what, what it means to have more for. money going into California and Los Angeles with a Democratic president there? Where, where does that affect I mean, um, in, in people's lives? Well, like... I mean, it can be everything from, like, money for, like, homelessness or for, like, you know, uh, there's such a shortfall that local governments have right now. So it can really be any kind of municipal service. It could be to stop people from from having to furlough people or or fire people. I mean, right now, like, the L.A. city government is, is dealing with, like, massive shortages. And, of course, the fucking idiot mayor, like, is still giving a raise to the cops, like, a small raise to the cops. And everybody else is getting furloughed uh, or laid off. And it's just stuff like that. I mean, like, you, I mean... I, I, there's just so many different things where, like, I mean, if you look at the L.A. budget, I think it's, like, 53% of discretionary income goes to the police. That's fucking insane. And it's, like, uh, from, like, I think it was, like, in the 30s, in the, the early 2000s, and, like, they've just eaten up more and more of the budget because, like, cops are always, like, the third rail. and they But they also have very powerful unions, and that's a different story altogether because, like, um, it like, also becomes, like, a right-wing talking point to have, like, no to be like you know shut down all unions and shut down cop unions cop unions are evil and like um they probably i you know i think they should be shut down because i hate cops but um also on some level i mean everybody should be able to have a union it's just like we shouldn't have to deal with like our politicians shouldn't be so corrupt which is like being angry at the sun but i don't know there are i mean hopefully i think my hope is that people are so like understand the consequences now of what happens when we just like you know ignore these political realities and just assume that these like leaders will take care of it and like right. you know it I, I was saying this earlier but it's like you know fascism ex- or whatever version of this is exists because we gave it soil and sunlight you know what i mean like it we it didn't need to happen and i mean even today fucking mark zuckerberg finally is like no holocaust banning on facebook yeah. which is like honestly mark zuckerberg it took you this long right. or did not holocaust denial i should say but they're banning holocaust denialism on mm-hmm. facebook which is like gee thanks which but, they went back and forth a ton of times yeah. in this process yeah he said no i'm in favor of people having their own opinion but again that is definitely a mentality that we were kind of taught where you're like oh you know and the republicans oh. weaponized it yeah in a bad well, faith thing. that's also just kind of like a huge conflict and confusion and question of our time of like walking that yeah. line of yeah. like how much of it is like like I mean think think about the ACLU right yeah. do you think the ACLU is a good organization yeah they're net positive like, oh, net positive yeah, right well like their main big famous thing is like Skokie is Skokie. like defending 
Nazis. They're kind of anti-Nazis now, though, which I kind of like can't be mad well, about that. But, but yeah, are they, I don't know whether they are. Yeah. I, I I feel like they're kind of consistent. They should. I feel you like should their be able thing to. Thing is like. Like I'm Jewish and I don't think I, I think that what they did was like I Con- that's, conversely that's a fucked up I, thing I would that those argue. Nazis did. But like the whole point of free speech is that yeah people do things. But now with the way the internet changes things, it's the slippery slope where yeah. you can see these really real consequences for people just saying things. And I don't it's it just gets really. What's confusing. the classic argument right of like forget um. Forget the, you know, fire in a crowded theater argument, which is, like, that's not free speech. I, I would even say, like, what if you're in a restaurant and you're talking loudly and saying crazy-ass things and someone's like, you gotta go, motherfucker. That is, you know what I mean? Like, you shouldn't be able to do that. And these are private businesses. Like, whether you know what I mean? These are not state utilities that Facebook, right. or Facebook Twitter, Instagram. So, like, all right, you can't do that in a restaurant. Like, I don't think anybody mm-hmm. should ever be arrested for yelling on a street corner. Like, I think you should be able to, like, really say some crazy-ass shit. But you shouldn't be able to do it on maybe on Twitter. Or, I mean, you saw it the other day when Trump was going to die, and Twitter was like, uh, oh, well, you know, if anyone who wishes Trump dying is going to get a suspension, it's like, would you do that for Pol Pot? Like, yeah, where do you yeah, draw yeah. the line? Idi Amin? Like, I mean, they haven't drawn the line for American politicians in, in, on the other side. So it's Totally. Like, yeah. Ilhan Omar had a really good tweet about it. Right. She's like, uh, yeah, like, I've gotten hundreds, if not thousands, of death threats on a weekly basis or yeah. monthly basis. Yeah, it's... Can what? you speak on? Um, no, no, go ahead. Can you speak on? So a lot, I think, they. There's a big portion of our listener base who is maybe on the more progressive side. Yeah. And, the words I think you guys keep saying is uh, certain organizations or certain leaders are net positive, are net positive, right? And I think, a lot of people. Maybe are um, don't see, are so depressed by that reality of it and seeing the the no change factor of it that they. They just refuse to vote and vote vote at all. So do you have a response to those people who are saying, like, what will my vote actually matter in this in this election, even for local municipalities, when we have to think about, we have to weigh in the, the horrible shit they do because they are a net positive? I mean, there's, I think, like, one thing that progressives have to do better at, and, and not to say I'm any kind of standard bearer of it, but they have to be able to speak to all kinds of people, too. Like, they have to be able to, like, one thing they don't really sell the argument uh, very well is, let's let's say the Green New Deal. I, 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 I like AOC a lot. I think she's great. But, like, and this is not at her, but, like, some other people where it's, like, I don't know, the Green New Deal is, like, literally a way to get jobs for this country and, like, that conservative, you know what I mean? And, like, have a functioning thing because manufacturing is, whether we like it or not, like, dying. And, like, you need good jobs that are, like, well-paying and hopefully unionized and you, things like that where it's, like, or, like, even the homeless issue, right? Like, yeah, of course, like, you can talk to a progressive about the morality of it, right? Like, you you know, in a rich country, there's no excuse why homeless people should be sleeping in the street. Obviously, I think most people agree about that. But, like, a lot of business people don't because they have no souls, a lot of them. But you have to explain to them that it's, like, is it good for your business to have homeless? I mean, there are some wonderful business people. I mean, like, four. But, like, like um, but yeah, like, I mean, do you want homeless people sleeping on your doorstep? Like, you can't just throw them off the cliff. Like, you know, these are real people. Like, do you want that? Is that good for your business? Is it good for, um, I'm not saying that those are conservative listeners, but it's just, like, stuff like that, or it's, like, healthcare, right? Say, like, I, I, I had a conversation with, you know, someone the other day who was, like, he was an undecided voter, and, um, oh, it's unbelievable. And, but, like, it's, like, even talking to someone like that where you're, like, yeah, like, do you think that healthcare would be, like, if you had universal healthcare, like, that'd be so good for your company because you wouldn't have to provide healthcare because there are laws. If you, if your company's of a certain size, you have to provide healthcare. Like, that would be so good for businesses in America and, like, there'd be so many more jobs. Like, 
I, I think media could function if there was universal health care because what kind of media company is going to hire somebody? I can't hire somebody. Let's say the land blows up, right? Yeah, you hire somebody at the land. When the land blows up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but so, like, say you give somebody, like, I don't know, like a, a decent journalistic salary, which is unfortunately <laughs> tragically what, low, what, right? what is that? I mean, like, if <laughs> like, you, at least 50 grand, you'd want to pay somebody minimum. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, to be a moral person. See, like, to me, that that, that is minimum. That's, that's how much I made a year working as a waiter in New York City. And that, to me, is like, it's not enough. I can't even imagine making that much money writing that just sounds <laughs> no like, totally that's like oh no, no no you make that much money as a waiter you don't make that much money as a writer but like i think that's like the bare minimum like moral thing where you could be like but yeah, like you can't sure. hire that's, somebody that's for fifty thousand dollars that fifty thousand dollars is now eighty thousand dollars if you're going to pay for like at least half of their health care right? right which you obviously should minimum i mean i theoretically you should pay for all their health care of course so that i mean think about what that would do and, like, I don't know, the conservatives live in this, like, fantasy land, delusional shit, where they're like, oh, like, we can't have any more money for this, like, plan. You're like, you've been running, like, a $45 trillion deficit because, you're like, you want to give new planes to the military. It's like, Fire. you know I what feel I mean? like what conservatives need to understand to try and maybe get some of these more, quote-unquote, like, progressive ideas, like, in their heads as positive things is a lot of conservatives, like, part of their whole deal is being, like, USA, number one. Like, we're the best. USA, we're the best. America. So proud to be an American. If they could understand, like, the actual embarrassment of how... Like, if they could just see the look on, like, this, the faces of everybody in this family. I was, like, eating dinner with this family in Argentina in this kind of, like, conservative-ish city. Like, not in Buenos Aires. Not a, like, progressive place. Very traditional family. And... I don't know. We were just talking about the differences between Argentina and the U.S., and they were very much like, oh, yeah, but you live in the U.S. The U.S. is amazing, right? Mm. What, what are things like there? And I started talking about, like, our health care and how in Argentina, <laughs> anybody who wants can go see a doctor. Mm. It's not a thing. It's like if you get – people yes. would not understand it. I would get sick or have some sort of health problem. And they'd be like, "Why don't you go to the doctor?" Or if you talk to like British, and I'd be people, like, "What? I can't go to. Like, I can't what? go to the doctor yet. I gotta wait until things are like really, really dire before I go to the doctor because the doctor is like such an expense. That's like a huge investment." They'd be like, "What? We just go. You can just go. It's okay." Like, yeah. Uh, you gotta formulate the payment plan right when away. When this this family, like, when I finally made them understand, like, how crazy it is, the amount of money we have to pay just to have insurance to then be able to pay slightly yeah. like less to then go to a doctor what medications cost like things like that, they were just like holy shit like whoa, the US is not as good as we thought it was yeah, the US it's is actually good at one thing. got it's good problems at that like our mm -hmm. country no. doesn't even have, like this, and it was kind of nice in a way like to see like them get this little bit of like pride in their country from learning the truth about the world but for conservatives who are like universal health care socialist fuck that like dude y if you guys think america is the greatest country in the world like america does not treat its people like with the goodness that so many other countries do countries that kind so of in a lot of objective <laughs> economic ways are I don't know about way that. worse <laughs> off than we are maybe like south korea that'd be sick hey South Korea kind of has it figured out. Ah, more than America. I mean, point. just like they just like you have things COVID about shit. America that's like, yeah, I would never want to live in Korea because if I had to work in a Korean system, 
That's because we're going to dodge the, the draft. That's what I'll be honest. Koreans nah, are yeah. some of the worst fucking people to work for. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan. Yeah. Not to make a joke, I love Korean people. So as you know, I, you, I love yeah. them too. Yeah. This is know, a Korean loving yeah, people podcast yeah, right here, you know. y'all. If you didn't know already. But I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, working in general for anyone is like not fun. That's no, true. Thing. I don't think there's any good type of people that are like good bosses. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, is there like. I mean, like, who's like I'm a good boss? Like, I, I've had like, like what ethnic stereotype can we say? I've would had be bosses of multiple <laughs> ethnicities and like were so terrible in yeah. like such different ways. I don't, yeah, uh, yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm more like with my family is Jewish. I wouldn't <laughs> exactly be like I would like to work for a Jewish boss. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's hard to think of a good boss. That's right. true. That's I worked fair. for a Japanese you know? boss that was just like. Vicious. I feel just the, uh, the boss personality, boss except for Rick Ross, is not cool. Just right. as bad, but in totally different Yeah, being order. a boss automatically, I mean, it has nothing to do with anything else, but you are in a boss position exactly. that now Maybe, makes you a... I think Rick Ross whatever. actually right, might be the best boss <laughs> Because That's where we landed. 40 minutes in, Rick Ross. think about it. Like, it, the think about bosses, boss. right? Like, I, I would work for Rick Ross. <laughs> like, Same. He'd be, like, exacting, but, like, ultimately the benefits would be pretty good. Oh, I yeah. I think he'd be kind of lenient. You'd bro, be you on know yachts the ben- all the Rick time. Rick benefits are the comfy, bro. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? Eat, you'd eat well. It's either it's Free either wing Rick stop Ross at lunch. Like top from TDE. You know what I mean? Top? No, I wouldn't want to work for Top. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to Top. Please, don't kill me. I know he's listening to the um, pub. We love yeah. you, Top. No, Top is, I mean, Top is, I mean, Top is a legend. And one of the, uh, uh, with all honesty, like, there's very few people more impressive than Top. I just wouldn't want to, I wouldn't work for, for Birdman either. And that guy's one of the most impressive mm. people I've ever seen in my life, you know? One time we're going to bring Jeff back just for LA rap stories alone. With Birdman. And yeah, uh, not, mostly not we'll, we'll do a whole segment on DJ Quick, which would be my dream. DJ but, Quick is amazing. Um, the one thing that I want to mention based on what Josh talked about and the email that sparked this whole thing while we brought Jeff today was like the email, I think the, the title was Now or Nihilism, right? Oh, yeah. and, and when you're talking about how do you convince someone who doesn't think their vote matters, right? And yes, we're in a blue state. It's easy to say like, well, whatever, like, you know, it's Joe Biden's going to win California. I don't need to vote. End of story. You know, local elections are too confusing. I'm giving up. I'll click one box. I'll not do the rest. You know, whatever. Like, just for example, in the in the race we were just talking about in District Four, this was from the the land thing that I saw. The article on it talked about the the final tally between on, in the runoff that forced the runoff between Nitya. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's less than three thousand votes. Yeah, a uh, Jackie Lacey. I not to interrupt you. Yeah. Uh, the Jackie Lacey runoff was like she was being projected to not even get a runoff. Uh, in the DA runoff oh, uh, in March, yeah, like you had to get, she had to get more than fifty percent of the vote. She yeah. got, I think, like forty nine point nine or forty nine point eight percent, right? So that triggered George Gascon in a runoff, right? What happens after that? Uh, the whole uprising happened, like, and then everything. Right. Then all of a sudden, John Legend is for jo- George Gascon. Uh, Jackie Lacey's got to go. Madonna is like, a, is like a basically like a jam heading out of people's cars when you drive around the city. Like exactly. it's, a, it's it's ubiquitous. Yeah. Um, and you know, I bring I bring up that number specifically because as this community that we mostly speak to is LAFC focused community. People who love the game of soccer in this city. I mean, that is the North end. That's basically the North end swaying, you know, policy for Koreatown in the next four years. Right. So to think that your vote doesn't count and things that bother you in your neighborhood or not, you know, not having access to change in your neighborhood. It's like, it actually, it counts a lot. You could probably avoid voting on the presidential election if you wanted to. In fact, just focus on the, on the local stuff, and I really think that that's what this voter yeah. guide, that's what any good voter guide will help you do, is just help you understand yeah. how tangible 
a lot of the shit. The yeah, board of supervisors, so. like you know, they're called the little. They were called like the five little kings, or the you right. know. And they, there's most people don't know that you know, like L.A. County is bigger than most, a lot of states on the eastern seaboard. Yeah, least. I believe it's between Georgia. I and the yeah. thing it said it's between Georgia and maybe Tennessee or something in terms of size. Just yeah. L.A. County alone. It's insane. I mean, and so there's so many people. It's like what, like 15 yeah. million, 16 million people. It's a crazy amount. Yeah. Of people. You could you could argue, in fact, that like local elections in Los Angeles matter more. You know, we're not a swing state on the on the national level, so we don't feel like we matter. But we actually matter a ton. Mm. For the amount of, and, I mean, it's two hundred thousand people in like, a lot of these districts. N- yeah, and like statewide too, like never underestimate the lives of the Republicans. <laughs> like they they make it seem like California this progressive wonderland. You're like uh, thirty two of the last fifty four years have been ruled by Republicans as the in the governor's house. I mean, yes, in recent years, like the legislature, but like we need a better state legislature. Like those people are not like that impressive to me. You know, there's a lot of like, and you know, in the voters' guide, I mean, like there are a lot of state legislature, uh, you know, whether state senate or you know the assembly. You know, I might not have known that much about how would you like think about it? Like, how would you know if it wasn't for like a I mean, not to say a responsible entity, but we try to be. No, but, I, I think it's a Jeff, that's a good point because, yeah, look, like the LA Times, that's about it. Like, sometimes LA Magazine will do a story, LA Taco every now and then, but like, where are you going to find that shit? Right. Like, and it's brief and it doesn't. What I like about the land, and just as we're talking to Jeff across the table right now, is like, we speak the same language. We're talking about the same things, right? We we do care in the way in in similar ways, right? Yeah. And so, right. when you read something from the from the editorial board of the LA Times about Proposition 15, which you know is a very significant proposition, closes the you know this tax loophole that fucked up the education system yeah. back in the 70s, and yeah. it's like you're talking about getting more money into California. You know there are ways to do that where Disneyland is going to have to pay. You and know, there's so much miseducation, share. by the way, on Prop 15, right? Where I've right. had conversations with people that are like, you know, I wouldn't say the progressive, but they're like liberal business people. Like there are business people that I know that are like really wonderful. Like my my stepdad in particular is a really wonderful. Like he's, you know what I mean? Like and he and he's like kind of. Uh, we were talking about Prop 15, and he thought that it would raise uh, the. Um, the property tax on the apartment buildings, right? Which is, like, different than, like, commercial... Because right now, the, the, the if, it, if it is passed, it will change Prop 13, which was sort of this tax revolt in the late 70s led by a man named Har- Howard Jarvis. This is big, like, Reagan era. Like, it kind of was a harbinger of the Reagan era about to come in the 80s. All these people were like... And, like, you know, I think there's an argument to be made, perhaps, that, like... That is fucked up for elderly people. If like their house keeps on rising through no thing of their own, they keep on having to pay all these property taxes. You're a retired person, all of a sudden you're paying thirty, forty thousand dollars a year in property tax on your fixed income. That is kind of fucked up, right? Like, I mean, if you think about it, like especially, I mean, there's a different argument why like housing prices were so fucked up in California. But I mean, they were making a lot of money. But like, I don't know if you're an elderly person, you can't work. Like, I do have some sympathy for that. So they were able to play on that sympathy for all these elderly people that like, all of a sudden home prices were exploding. But this is different, right? This is now a tax on it's. They changed it for commercial and residential. So now, if this Prop 15 is passed, it'll change the property tax rates on commercial properties, right? Also, it's over three million dollars. I think you have to have at least over yeah, three million dollars in and holdings. Like, so the people like, that now own these buildings are mostly real estate investment trusts, right? right there is right, right. there are no longer that many mom and pop landlords, and if they are, they're usually. Fam- like families kind of holding on to the, the little scraps of property they were able to amass over the last 10 years. This isn't like the old model where like, I mean, and that goes like into the, like I was having this conversation the other day about like the tax code, right? Where it's like, most people don't understand under Dwight D. Eisenhower, I'll just guess, like right, to see what the average, not to be like that pretentious asshole, but like, what do you think the top act, like the top income tax rate now is like I think like 35 or 36%, right? Mm-hmm. Under Eisenhower, who's like the Republican fucking general of mm-hmm. like, you know, fucking Normandy in World War Two. <laughs> You know, president of the fifties. Like, what do you? What would you guess his prop, prop uh, top tax bracket was? 
have no idea. Right, like, yeah. I don't know what taxes were like so, back then. 90%. If you were rich, you were taxed 90% in the, the 1950s. 90%. No yeah, no, that's a real thing. And up until Nixon, it was like in the 70s, too. It was really only Reagan that more or less have them nationally. So all of a sudden, the boomers were like, I'm a genius. I have all this money. And you're like, no, everyone who is rich was getting the shit t- taxed out of them. So they couldn't amass like extreme wealth. Mm. So, yes, when all of a sudden that was re- these restrictions were removed, you were able to buy property because it was fucking low because you, you had to give up 90% of your money. And to be fair, like, it was 90% of your money over, like, say you made a million. It wasn't a million dollars. It was, like, let's say whatever it was, $150,000, $100,000. But now we have this insane tax rate in America where it's, like, if you make $200,000, which, to be fair, in L.A. or New York or a major city is not, like, that much money. No, I mean, like, no. I'd love to make $200,000 a year, but it's not, like, a crazy amount of money. No, it's mm-hmm. not a crazy amount of money. Why would you be taxed the same as somebody that makes a million or $20 million? That's fucking nuts. It's insane. It's nuts. You know what I mean? So, like, of course the rich are going to get richer because some fucking guy who was, like, a lawyer who, yeah, like, did all if the— you, if you're making $200,000 and you get taxed that top percent, yeah, that's you a lot of money. that That's a, a lot, lot of money, yeah. If you're making $4 million a year and you get taxed that percent, that's—yeah, sure, you're losing even more money, but you're, you're walking with so much more. Like, you don't fucking feel that yeah. in the same way the other person does. And it goes back to my first political memory of fuck Reagan because Reagan <laughs> was the one behind that shit. And, like, I would Trying highly recommend Reagan everybody— up. Everyone should read. If you're gonna read any books, like I mean, like no one's gonna listen to my 900 page book recommendation. No, but, we're gonna do we're gonna do recommendations. But at Nixon the end Land too, but by Rick Perlstein. I would read the entire. I haven't read the new one, Reagan What's Land. What's it called? It's called Nixon Land. Is the most famous one. But like, there was a first chapter about Barry Goldwater. The second one's about Nixon Land. Or about it's called Nixon. The third one's called The Invisible Bridge. It's about the rise of Ronald Reagan and like the Jimmy Carter era and like the fall of Nixon. And the new one is called Reagan Land, and it's basically like how all these like nefarious forces shaped American society. And it'll give you a really clear understanding. I mean, he, he's a brilliant historian. But, like, I don't know. So I guess it's important to kind of just say that because who the fuck, you know, no, no one knows about it, you know. Dude, this is all I don't important. think Rick Pearlstein's selling that. This is all important to books. say. This is all important what you did. Um, we're going to get back with Jeff shortly here with the Tea with, time, tea with Dweez time. But Can you say it right? Tea time with Dweez. Thank you. <laughs> but <laughs> go get the fucking the yeah. lands oh. the lands issue man get the get yeah. the voter guide it's ten dollars the land yeah, like land honestly magazine.com. but we got shirts coming like but i mean honestly like there's actually nothing it's just like three of us and an apartment with a chicken um i'm sorry and, no it's like it's a seinfeld reference it's yeah. uh, you know dating myself but um yeah no it you, like we make a lot of money from like not a lot like we we survive i should say because of people like buying the issue and like you know we mail it to you it's like no you, you'll get it it's good like you know you don't we, have to read it on your phone you got to read it in yeah in the but flesh. also i should say that like it is important for us to give out uh, free copies to people that so like we do deliver it around the city so you should follow us on twitter.com which is a website and a social media but like yeah we announce where we drop off issues and like it's limited you know what i mean it's kind of like a like kind of like how we like we in it we wasn't we didn't take I, I love koji but like that's how koji was we're like we're here if you want to get a taco and it's like if you want to get a free copy of the magazine we drop it all around la for like a week or two after it comes out just because it's like i don't want to fucking i want everyone to be able to read it like you know what i mean like i'm not we're not none of us are trying to make anything where like you have to pay for it but it's like if you can pay for it that'd be cool to support it and yeah. buy a shirt and a lot of a lot of the artic- the, a lot of the articles about the election are up online they're and, all up online. Can, that's like, the thing. They're all up online. You can get a free copy too. Right. We want to be for the people. So yeah, read read it and just educate yourself. And if you know you care about the things you cared about in the summer now, just vote on them and just take. 
from oh, yeah. half an the hour stuff in the learn, summer learn about the propositions learn about these things learn about you know the things that made your blood boil yeah. then um they matter now because here's the thing right like the summer obviously crucial never and mike davis said in the, in the second issue never see the streets you know it's such great advice and but at the end of the day like there's only so long you can fucking be in the streets you know what i mean like people have to like go to work people have to take their kids people have to go to you know whatever they have to do like their health concerns you know and like you need to elect like people that will like that understand the spirit of the streets and like understand like what it means to be an angelino and like have more I mean, i'm not saying any of these people have morals you shouldn't trust politicians but maybe they do i mean you try to figure out who's the most honest of the dishonest breed um and uh we need those people like whether we like it or not because like there's only so much you can do Right. You know, but like people, you know, like voting in union and like making sure that there are checks on, on the power, like you can create change. I mean, history has shown that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, let's take a break. We'll be back. Third and final segment with Jeff and Ben. Tea That's time. It. back fcfc pod the boys jeff and ben are in the backyard we are drinking a little bit of tea josh Bice, i think you went to tea master yeah, last I week i did sachi, I did, I did. sachi told me on instagram she saw you that you went to tea master and i was like what dude i was there oh, after how many tea. times yeah so this shit. is a nice yeah. little japanese green tea sencha from mie prefecture it's delicious a new a new one they're carrying Jeez, this is the this is your instagram avatar is the guy oh, on yeah, your this is, uh, uh, cup yep Yep, did yep, you yep, order yep, this yep. on the World Wide Web? Or did you? I, this is a downtown tea shop, Little Tokyo this Tea is Master. Good. I should um, definitely hit this. Yeah. Say what up to Daigoro yeah. and Kanako when you go. Everyone on the pod knows we love Tea Master it's a here. Fine herbal beverage. Ben Grenrock Huge loves Tea Master. I can attest, like, Tea Master is like the there only. There are all these matcha shop shops out there. Half of them are really run by Russian DJs or other people trying to capture and just be like, look, the magic green sawdust is going to save your life, you know? Yeah. No, the truth is, like, there there's a real dude doing it. His name's Dai. He's in Little Tokyo in Honda so Plaza. Across from sushi again, drink his tea, and we're drinking it right now. Do you guys know about Dweez's tea obsession? Ben no. knows. All right, so this is this is how tea time with Dweez started. We did a little test pod, and uh, Dweez proceeded at one point to pull out a digital scale. Any anybody know what digital scales are used for in LA? Uh, weed. Yeah. Yeah. Weed and coke. No. So touche. DMT as well. Half answer. So, well, it was great. Yeah, so he started weighing out tea leaves, and we were, he got into his obsession with tea, and, and here we are. So, you guys have known Dweez for a long time, and he hasn't shared his his one true joy with you, Jeff. And Honestly, I don't know how you should feel tea, about that. Tea, very underrated, I think, in general. Ooh, like, I mean, maybe not, maybe not in Asia or England, where it's more popular, but in America, a way underrated beverage. Totally. I think maybe this country has been failing ever since the British Tea Party, when you really think now we're really talking <laughs> politics. Now yeah. we're talking the politics I want to it's talk like, about. It's uh, like they should have been like, we can also enjoy tea. Right. You know? I think but that was the first moment of American exceptionalism that started the decline. Which was just like, yeah. wait, wait, the second most bever- second most drink beverage in the world, we can't possibly. We want no part of that. Yeah, although I do prefer, I mean, they're both like, they're, they're uh, you know, don't they're, they're valuable. You don't yeah, get to choose. No, you, you don't know? have to choose. It's like cats and dogs. What's wrong with people? They're both awesome. I've been doing little. Cats and dogs are great for different reasons. Tea and coffee, same thing. 
I'm, the I'm only binaries that, that matter. No, I, I, I was with, I was with you to this point. Fuck no, fuck that shit. You don't like fuck, cats? Fuck cats, exactly. He barely no, likes dogs. No. He barely likes dogs. Though. But he's no. a he's a businessman in disguise. Right? You cats, are, like cats are so wise. <laughs> <laughs> they have such agility. How do you like soccer slash football and not like a cat? But you their wisdom also play? makes it so they like can really fuck you well, up. Well, but, <laughs> that's but, why you have to fear and respect them. That's what pisses me off. As a creature that exists. I Cats. feed you. Love me, yeah. goddammit. No, like, <laughs> love is fucking not unconditional. You fucking need terms and agreements. <laughs> like, they re- they will respect but you it's and all honor, their terms. but there's an honor. You have to have an honor. Americans, we, you know? We have here in the house, I don't even know if I've ever talked about kitty on the podcast. Have I ever talked about kitty? We've talked about kitty pooping in the toilet. So our cat poops in the human toilet? And That's amazing. Poops and pees in the human what toilet? What a genius. And How does that not so shake you? Like, and that kitty, shook me to the fucking I, I core, I wish my, my cat had been able to do that. I would have, I would have. Like, so an our, honorable animal. our cat is from the neighborhood, the from streets. Expo Park, and uh, <laughs> those are the best cats. You know, our eventually my old roommate, shout out to Jeffrey. He uh, before he moved to Bodymore Murderland, he <laughs> taught this cat with great military diligence how to use the human toilet. That's fantastic. And, and that was a unreal. It was a, it was a change for us. And then we got the puppy, right? And so now you got the cat and the puppy. So. You know, when Jeff said that, it really resonated with me. I mean, dogs are amazing. Like, I, I love them, but, like, it's just, it, it, there's just, you know, like, it's, I feel like the problem in our lives, right? Like, we, we it's hard to, people, like, want to choose a side. Mm. Right. And, and isn't but, that like, the but then sometimes you have to, where you're like, oh, the Republicans are Nazis. Now. No, but, yeah, like, I was about yeah. to say, it's the, it's the, it's the yeah. Democrips and Rebloodigans, you know? It's like the whole. <laughs> 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 Come on, let's kiss. Are, are you just, like, Kendrick? rapping on this podcast? That's Kendrick. That's Kendrick. That's Kendrick. That's you're a Kendrick canceled, line. sweetie. That's a Kendrick, that's a Kendrick line. No, but it's it's like <laughs> these false these false these false binaries. I uh, you know I think we're all better off not having them. Jeff, one of the things at the at the what was it the the second issue, the one that Ben's rolling yeah. up on over there. Yeah, that's um, four actually. That's also why you need alternative media. It's, it's <laughs> done a really good yeah, job. You physical, you physical couldn't do that media. with an LA Anyone Weekly. You can't do that with a computer screen or a land. cell phone. Yeah. It's been like yeah. fantastic to yeah. roll splits. I mean, yeah. it's been cool. So if if you're not sure, you're on the fence of whether or not you should buy a copy. Like, yeah, it's thick enough where you could be laid on your lap in the car. Shout out, shout out, Evan Solano and Jen Swan. Yeah, I mean, they're they they're also helped us. They were also instrumental in being like, yeah, we don't want like an LA Weekly thing. We want something you can really roll a blunt on if need be. Well, so your editorial or the piece you wrote about politics at the end, I don't know. I don't remember what the title was. The very last article before the the Silver Lake. No, it was my. I think it was my article. Yeah, right? you're, yeah. yeah. And it, at the end, you know, you talk about like it's, this is a choice, right? A choice about Los Angeles now. Um, a choice between what type of city you want to have. Uh, one of the things you brought up was, do we want to crowdsource our healthcare? Like, do we want to crowdsource our healthcare? Do we want to have like funerals that we can't even actually go to? Yeah. And you asked us just right now when we were before we served the tea like why do we like lafc and the reason we love lafc is because of the community and now in our community of lafc which is really really thick and really really bonded would you guys say it's almost weekly every other week now there's there is gofundmes did they win someone's oh really yeah that's for someone's health care for someone who's sick for someone whose dad passed for someone who's and it's beautiful and i i always when i see people throwing down dough on that and when i see the goals met that's cool every time so how do you every choose time, lafc right because on. the gal so i'm sorry no no, no yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah we'll get to it we'll get to it we'll get to it so t- you know 10k 20k 
these numbers that are getting hit for funerals yeah. for things. And I'm like, I'm so excited about it. Mm-hmm. I read this piece after like thinking about all this political stuff we were about to do. And I was also sort of like, for the first time, like, wait, this is fucking ridiculous. Yep. That we as a community have to constantly scramble to send our people to the hospital. Mm-hmm. That we constantly have to scramble to help people, you know, and their loved ones move on into the next phase of the spiritual realm, right? So we have to, this thing is, it's so much realer with LAFC and it happens so much more often, if I'm being honest. Than anything in my life prior to 2017, I didn't have a ton of friends who were constantly asking for money for medical bills before yeah. AFC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. didn't have a ton of friends who couldn't afford their parents' funerals before that. And like, I'm always moved by the community in Los Angeles, a community that said would be impossible in this city because supposedly, given the narratives that people impress upon the city, that this isn't a place where that kind of thing could happen. This isn't some place with Midwestern values or really taking care of your neighbor, that kind of thing. But it really does exist, and we've seen it, we've witnessed it in LAFC in the community and that's why we fell in love with it Jeff to like answer your question cool. but so is it fuck the galaxy all day or yeah. I mean it's, it's, kinda, <laughs> it's a fucking it's, it's fuck the galaxy all day but it's but it's for different reasons I mean it's for all the reasons but one of the key ones is the community aspect that's cool like uh, and they, I, I'm I assume so, they don't have a, uh, a community aspect I mean they've that. had they've had a team for now 20 something years there's a the same guy that owns the Kings AEG they, I think Angel yeah he Angels. owns he owns yeah. the Galaxy and you know they hadn't given a lot of thought to who owns LAFC so there's a 31 person ownership group okay. comprising of like you know, shout out to Larry Berg, who was sitting in the chair you're sitting in last week. One of the owners came down. Oh, really? To, yeah, yeah. That's cool. And so, guy. and of course, we have like celebrity. <laughs> we, have, we have got the celebrity owner element too. There's the Will Ferrells, Magic Johnsons, Nomar, Mia cool. Hamm, um, ton of those. So, you know, there's several different um, kind of realms that come from the guy who started YouTube. Chad Hurley's part of it. Of course, Brandon Beck and Bennett Rosenthal. Brandon Beck started Riot Games, which makes League of Legends. So there's like gaming, you know, it's, it's a little bit, a ton of different industries sort of plugged in there. But the, the thing is, even the owner, right? The owner was willing to come that's, into the yeah, backyard. That's pretty cool, yeah. Into, into this same neighborhood that's and talk cool. about like the team with his son, who is also into the team, who's also plugged into the community, who knows, you know, certain supporters and has relationships with them. And I think it's a microcosm. What, what it always has excited me about LAFC, and Ben knows this better than anyone, is that there was an opportunity there to do something different. Um, yeah. And the Galaxy are the most successful franchise in MLS, right? They've won the most championships and all of that. But there's when you go to a Galaxy game, it's, you know, like yeah. so many people in LAFC community had gone to Galaxy games. It's not as if I'm they sure. didn't know that they existed. It's that they had no draw. They had no part of, like, the world football I mean, you, legacy. You asked how earlier, and I think really it's just, you know, we talked about how good America is at marketing, but it, it was kind of a marketing thing, to be honest. If we break it down, LAFC was or Galaxy was. Um, well, it's two different styles of. Yeah, I don't even want to call what what LAFC. Think of what did the Galaxy marketing. Yeah, think of the Galaxy represents right. Stars in the sky, the big players. They'll yeah. come here and it's more just like from hey, like look, like making me an LAFC fan. Well, I'm gonna root for them totally after this. I have no stake. This in is it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. this Sounds is kind of how me. you converted me. The old school Quick marketing style. of like. This is how dope my product is. Like, this is how big my dick is. Like, come, come, look at my dick. <laughs> Whereas LAFC was like, all right, like, we're not just like this big thing. We're not like, you know, like this huge draw. We're, we're about the community. We're, we're a city that's proud to be who we are, and we just happen to have a soccer team. That's cool. Yeah. Right, where so, are you guys sending the Lakers Clippers issue? Um, 
the Lakers you're like through and through. That was amazing. <laughs> I was like, I, I, I was super happy. About yeah. it. Let's talk about the Lakers. Dude. I Best was so Lakers. happy about it. Yeah. I mean, like, I, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I talk a lot, but. um, Love it. So I had a very conflicted relationship with the Kobe Bryant Lakers. The Shaq Kobe Lakers, I loved, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, that, that was like. I was, I mean, that was to me one of the greatest teams. I mean, them and the Showtime Lakers were like my two favorite teams ever. The Kobe, the Kobe, obviously the rape trial kind of did like, kind of make you kind of look at the very least askew at Kobe. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, it's a very complicated issue where it's like, that is something that will always be a stand in his career. And it was very, and Kobe was also a fucking asshole. Like, Mm -hmm. he kind of got better towards the end. Like, I was able to cover the Lakers. And honestly, I I really like, I hate to say it, but I kind of fell in love with Kobe again because I was like, Honestly, he's a really he's a brilliant guy, and like he clearly yeah. like, watched, he grew so he grew much a as lot. a person. He grew a lot. Yeah. Dude, and I, he also loved our game too, soccer, right? yeah, yeah. football. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. Dude, the craziest thing is, is he's probably he's in the goat conversation. But when we lost him, everybody had a sense of he had so much more to do. Oh yeah. And he was on that trajectory. Yeah. Whether you know through through you saw the evolution of Kobe. The, the young buck, then the, the rape trial, then yeah. the the asshole that only cared about winning. But also, like, could score you one point. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, you had to be, you had to respect. the yeah. role of the villain. You but have your yeah. three greatest players of, like, the modern era, whatever, whatever, Jordan, LeBron, and Kobe, and they just perfectly fall on the spectrum of, like, hero to villain. You've got Kobe is definitely villain, and I'm a huge Kobe Bryant fan. Mm-hmm. Obviously, out of all three of them, he's my, I'm bigger fan of him than the other two but kobe is the villain jordan is the the middle ground and lebron is like the paragon yeah. like lebron is uh, amazing. white knight like, dude of course he is. lebron is like people don't give lebron enough credit because you're like close yes. i mean okay he okay he's definitely the best player that ever lived. you can argue that jordan is the greatest player and i will definitely entertain that argument because like jordan was like in terms of greatness that's a different quality than best right mm-hmm. lebron is clearly the best player to ever play the game also, Shaq never mentioned enough of the conversation. Shaq at his peak yeah. is probably top yeah. three. Yeah. Well, he's the most dominant player. That yeah, ever yeah. I mean, Will Chamberlain, though. Like, it never, you know what I mean? Because, like, well, a different time, though. People were Shaq smoking. would handle Will Chamberlain. Yeah, I mean, look, people were smoking. Also, handled. Will Chamberlain's a Republican, That's so. Uh, <laughs> like, fire, like, Will fire. Chamberlain, you were for Nixon. And Shaq is a cop, but still. Like, you know. Shaq I don't think, is a cop. I can't, yeah, I can't bring their, their politics. Shout out Syracuse University who gave Shaq the fucking Yeah, but Shaq LSU also, I have a soft spot in my heart for Baton Rouge. Like, you know. So, but yeah, no, the late Laker, the late dynasty of the Lakers, though, the, the 2008 to 2010 dynasty was a likable franchise, I'd say, even though Kobe was a dick. Lamar was, I, you had to like Lamar. You I mean, had to love Lamar. Lamar. And Powell, dude. Powell was incredible. Dude. He's like St. Francis of Assisi. I know, But Powell did man. get a, a lot of heat because he was a little, he was a little soft sometimes. Nah, he wasn't, though. He was just like, he just was He European. was just too graceful. Yeah, he just, <laughs> and a little he just Spanish. Spanish. He was just yeah, Spanish. A little yeah. too European, especially when we're dealing with teams like the fucking Pistons but he was of tough, that though, era Powell. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Kobe had to fucking tell him, don't be so soft. And he fucking listened. Yeah, Powell was a savage. At the end of the day, like. Edgar, I want to hear from you. So was pa- was, was Powell ever soft, or was he? Like, did he have to grow into that kind well, of badass role? He, he, well, did the beard help? The beard helped, by the way. <laughs> the beard, the beard <laughs> helped. My, fav- my favorite story of what Kobe did to wake Powell's ass up was after U.S. beat Spain in the Olympics for the gold medal, and then you know him and uh, well Kobe and Powell report back uh, for preseason camp for the Lakers. 
And Powell walks into the locker room, and the first thing he sees hanging in his locker is Kobe's gold medal. Oh, <laughs> it's like where Kobe is insane, but like you're like, well, yeah. he, this he, is co- what I mean. He's a he's villain. a psychopath. But like, like also like it was like a little too scripted with Kobe, and like in the last like year or two, we kind of like like kind of like loosened up a little bit. I mean, like the the the, the truth is like being not as great uh, humbled him in a way where like somebody like Kobe, I mean. You can't blame Kobe. You're like, how could you not think you were God? You were like literally yeah. the greatest player. Like from the you you went from, you did, took Brandon. You know what I mean? Like, everything happened for Kobe, right? Yeah. But I s- mean, and even if you look at his style of play, like co- compare him to Jordan or LeBron, it has such a like divine sense of his whole thing is like making these shots that are just like, who the f- why would you ever take that shot? And they would just go. Hey, I don't I'll, trust uh, none of my. I'll do that to you. I will say Jordan has some Jordan. The way they played was also quite divine, but yeah, yeah. I mean but, Jordan, but, went, but it was yeah. more like expected that he would succeed at the little things he was doing because he was fucking Jordan. The way he moved is just like so yeah. preternatural. Or again, LeBron, it's just like you see him coming, and it's like of course he's gonna score. Who could stop that? No, for so, sure. I will say there's something like about Kobe where yeah, these all of these LeBron, LeBron might get six. Like, LeBron might get six. Like I mean, I feel like the Lakers if they this Lakers team is better like, next year than it is this year. I don't know no. about that. LeBron is gonna like definitely start to decline probably like next year. But, who knows? He's still gonna be great. He's still gonna be great. Year and then it's gonna have to start. He's still gonna be great. Yeah. I mean, like people forget like Karl Malone was really great up until like 38 too. Like he was like really really. You know, and LeBron is like kind of like a Karl Malone on HGH. So he might. I could see. I mean, we bring up HGH a lot on this podcast. Yeah. Sponsor the pod. It would. I would love HGH. Holla, <laughs> holla at your boy. Hey, I um, shamelessly for for my for my East Coast cats, and um, I was with my sister recently, and she was just asking me, you know, just the the love affair of Kobe and what it means to Los Angeles, because you know, we we all for for me personally, I I saw seen him from afar and just respected his game, but also when I got here it was a different proposition entirely, right? The love around this. Where guy. are you from originally? Jersey. Okay. Yeah, and so like I love the guy's game, but I couldn't understand like You're a big Kenyon what? Martin guy. <laughs> I'm a Nick fan. I'm a Nick fan. I'm a Nick yeah. fan. So so Carmelo all the day. All Harry the way. But Kittles. I will say the thing is um I'm here with five Los Angeles people who love this fucking um, city and mythologize the city and talk about the culture of the city like and this is a happy, happy day, so I wanted to talk about the legacy of what it felt like to, and we talked about this before, but losing adult-ass heroes, which is Nipsey and then Kobe back-to-back years. And yeah. understanding now we are at a certain kind of a, a triumph of that, of, of, of the end of that, maybe not the total end of that, but what you feel like the fucking soul of Los Angeles totally. went through and lost when you had first Nip, and I really honestly learned a lot about him after his death, unfortunately, and then... What Co- what Kobe meant and what that totally. what the two of them will be locked together. Yeah. Like, what did that mean for you guys for the for for LA's the city? See, I think it's also more than that because like for me and like maybe I'm biased, but like the Greedo and Draco thing, I think is like will never be understood properly how like traumatic and awful it is. I mean, I, I really think that, and this is like sure, like I'm probably biased because like, but I I think. 03 Greedo and Draco were the two most talented rappers to come out of LA. I mean, I, I would say Snoop and Pac, but like. Pac's not from LA like you know what I mean like I really think they could have been this incredible like I mean I, Kendrick Lamar's incredible Nipsey's incredible like like they are like legends in the same way so like I wouldn't even put them above or beyond but like mm-hmm. at least the best since them like you get that maybe once a decade right mm-hmm. if you're lucky and both going to jail for bullshit kind of you know goes back to what we were talking about earlier but it's like the criminal justice system did like oh three years ago got busted for like granted like he was in a car with a lot of meth like 
fair play. But, like, at the same time, like, why is that even illegal? And, like, okay, fine, he served two years. Like, I'm sorry. Like, if you're if you're caught, like, with a nonviolent offense with some drugs, like, two years sounds like if you are a crime, if you're a crime and punishment guy, that seems like a lot of time. You know what I mean? That's a lot that's of time. That's a long time. To be in a terrible fucking jail, that's a pretty steep punishment. For drugs? That's For drugs. You didn't time. kill anybody. You didn't rape anybody. You didn't assault anybody. You were in a car with a chemical. Like, like that, to me, like, I don't, I think drugs should be legal, but at the same time, like. Hey, shout out to George Gasson for going all the way to Portugal to find out more about decriminalization yeah. of drugs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Vote yeah. on. Yeah. Get and, your mail-in ballots in there. Keep going. Yeah. Also, everybody learn about what happened in Portugal because it's crazy. Like, it just worked so well decriminalizing all drugs. Yeah. It just worked kind of across the board. Perfectly. Give us give us a brief, um, brief uh, overview. Yeah, I heard about it, but I don't know really how it turned I'm too, out. I'm too many the land rolled spliffs deep to give, like, a really credible breakdown of, like, what actually went down with, <laughs> with it. With a grain of salt. But people love Portugal is the bottom line. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, not because sick. of drugs, made, but because of good They made society. everything legal and invested all of or a shit ton of the money that went into enforcement into treatment okay mm. and so what happened is just crime all of the addiction all of that stuff just plummeted and it created a surplus even of money that was again spent on like treating this problem to go into kind of helping to even more deeply and comprehensively rehabilitate the people who did end up with drug problems mm. like to really take them from being an addict in the street to actually being someone who has like a job and a house and like a normal life like not just giving them some methadone and, and sending them on their way they had like the funds to kind of do this because they weren't spending it all on like policing people for having weed let alone heroin or anything like that um and just all of the bad numbers went down like that's <laughs> like my my super basic stupid explanation of it right now you should listen to any podcast with this dude johan hari he also wrote this book. Oh, that called guy's good. That book Chasing is, the Scream. That book is great. That and then what's the, yeah. the other that one? That book Chasing the Scream is really depression, good. Depression uh, is also fantastic. What's the second one? Fuck. Uh, Chasing the Scream and I can't remember, but yeah. one of them Johan is about Hart addiction is and the other one's about depression. And yeah, he's fantastic. Uh, I the the thing about addiction, just like what what the war on drugs has done I to mean, the world, there, is just there are people it's in angola crazy. serving life for like 20 dollars worth of weed Dude, still to this day you know what i mean like it's are, the people who get fucked for drug stuff yeah. is horrendous I mean, like, and fucked up but dude there are people in juarez there are people in juarez who have never even been within like 50 yards of a drug like period whose entire lives are just fucked because yeah, that of even, the war on because yeah. of things like the DEA or people that are dead because totally like the fucking laws like that create violence yeah I mean it's just like when you outlaw drugs it creates violence that's just how it is people are like moving for territory like it's gonna create more violence it, it, it doesn't make any sense but like the Draco or the Greedo thing right so he's fucking rotting it I had an article in the Washington Post this summer about like Greedo and it was like I talked to Greedo I'm like Greedo's a genius like I, I've I've one of the most impressive people like I've met, like brilliant, like freestyle, like off the top, but produced his own stuff, like from Watts. Like he he meant so much of the fucking Jordan Downs and like Grape Street and that whole thing. And like I'm not the person to say that. I'm sure they could say it better. But like you just, you know, just you watch some of the way that someone like that moves. It, mm. it means something so significant. And Draco, not in the same way, like wasn't like identified with a neighborhood like that. But Draco, just in terms of like stylish, like Draco created an entire style of music. And Greedo took like he was a synthesizer of these like baton rouge style atlanta style synthesized it made it 
quintessentially LA, which is amazing. Draco created nervous music, which is its own way of like speaking slang, like the type of beats. Like he took ratchet beats and made them evil and sinister. Like it's brilliant what he did. And he's rotting in jail for a crime that like he had nothing to do with. Everyone knows he had nothing to do with. Like no one thinks he had anything to do with it. The DA, I mean the DA are they're insane evil fucking people. But everybody else, like people in the street, like no, like, even Draco, he wasn't. No one thought he pulled the trigger. Like he was never accused of pulling the trigger in this murder that he did. And via these like crazy gang laws, these conspiracy laws that Jackie Lacey really like puts, it, it, like uses them in a way that no one else in the state, let alone the country, uses. Mm-hmm. Like she's incarcerating like you know another another brilliant artist who has so much to give. So it's like the Nipsey thing, it's the Kobe thing, it's Draco and Greedo and music. It's really a fucking. You know, even, like, uh, the kid in Shoreline got killed, like, Shoreline broke up. There's a lot of things that, like, you know, it's been, like, this city feels like it's under a bad sign more than even the rest of the country. Is that, yeah. is that Shoreline Mafia? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, when Mac P-Dog got killed this summer mm-hmm. and, like, that, you know what I mean? Like, that, like, I mean, granted, he wasn't, like, a huge creative force in the group or anything, but, like, it's just the idea of that, you know, Nipsey obviously getting killed. Nipsey had so much to give. I mean, that guy would have, you know would have been like a force not just in rap or the entertainment but like probably in politics mm-hmm. and like economic you know econo- you know it's like yeah and it you know kobe too i mean like who knows what you know he probably would have made a bunch of bad pixar movies but still like you know <laughs> he, he was going to be i don't know it, he wasn't impressed like, like we were saying earlier net positive yeah for sure yeah like what world. he would have done for women's basketball and i also yeah he was maturing as a person like i mean i don't yeah. know like people that's i mean that's the and one. i think that's the biggest thing yeah. that that like hit la people was just like everyone around our age we grew up with kobe totally. he was in our house or we were going to see him yeah once or twice a week like yeah watch like he was every game. part of our childhood we could Everybody can recall where they were with, you know, Game 7 against the the Celtics or the Magic or the 81-point game. You know what I mean? Or, the yeah. yeah. I mean, like, it's yeah, a like, lot of our memories. Totally. And, like, those those teams, too, like Fisher hitting shots, Ori mm-hmm. hitting shots, like random things like that. You know, Pow, obviously. Just, like, but Kobe to be gone. Like, yeah. And it's, Sam, I, that's good. It, it's, I don't know. It's just super, super heavy and weird. But... I don't know whether, like, in answer to your question about that, I don't know whether I've ever even really, like, thought about it like that um, in terms of the relationship of losing figures of L.A. just because everything feels like entropy right now. Mm -hmm. Like, everything just feels like it's falling apart. That, like, the thing about, like, L.A. losing, like, these, uh, I don't know, kind of parts of its soul... It just feels like the souls, the soul of everything is I mean, falling apart right it's, now. It's trite to say, even, like, yeah. like, like gang activity is at, a, at an all-time high right it's now. It's like Back to the Future. I mean, like I hate to say it, it's trite, but it's like Back to the Future too. It's like you know, it's like Biff's like alternate nineteen eighty-five. You know, it's like I mean, literally like Donald Trump is the president. You know, it's been, and I do kind of to some degree believe in like the notion of a zeitgeist. Like we we. It, it, I don't think, like, COVID can relate to that, but I'm just saying, like, in terms of the darkness that is associated, you know, these have been a dark four years. Like, there's a darkness you feel in the universe. It's like, people talk about why violent crime is up, and, like, they're like, they need more cops! You're like, no, it's, you're fucking stupid. It's because people are broken, hopeless. That's why there's fucking violent crime. Because when people are fucking have no money, and they don't think the world is going to get better, they're willing to do anything because they don't give a fuck. And that's just the reality. That That is human nature. You don't need to be an expert on that shit, like, to understand that. And... 
that's why. And like, I mean, it goes back to the politics thing. I don't think politics are going to. I don't think politicians are going to save us, but they yeah. can certainly help. And we under, you know, there is the money. The only here. thing you've got, the yeah. only thing you've got, unless yeah, you want to like try and raise it yeah. a militia, like which we yeah, maybe have that to front. fucking worry I'm about that. that hopefully, <laughs> hopefully yeah. we don't have to fucking worry about that in the next couple oh months. God. The people who have, uh, Jesus Christ. No, that's I, my I thing too. Like y'all offered, like I mean, an antidote not being a solution. I think I'm not for. I'm not condoning just like political process to be the complete solution to everything. Yeah. But it is. When we talk about Something. you know Greedo and and yeah. and Draco and being we robbed of their and not only them being robbed of their lives but Los Angeles being robbed of their of their yeah. livelihoods and their yeah. spirit and, and all that like it's 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 in there it's a part of, it's part of the equation yeah man. and and the Nipsey thing I'll give you a perfect example of it like people want to know why they should vote right here's a good example when Nipsey was killed like the guy that shot him right obviously was like he was sixties and like blah 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 whatever and um, but the guy that like was shot uh, who was like the the former uh, inmate that had just got out that um, was coming to get clothes and Nipsey was there to give him clothes you yeah. know, so he could like look good you know because he just was out of jail from like serving like I think a long bit mm. and like that guy got went to jail for violating his parole by being around known gang members right like they were Which targeting Nip- yeah, Nipsey's yeah. shop like you know what I mean they were trying to get him to sell like they you know there are so many things that like certainly nobody knows I, I, I even like my like cursory understanding of being in this world going to court every day at the Compton Courthouse you see shit where you're like this is crazy and like the other thing I would say is I think everybody really like should like I mean it's myopic and kind of no one's gonna do it but like there's a lot of stuff I I have to give credit to the LA Times like they do a lot of good reporting and like there are all these stories that pass by every day and like some days I don't have the energy to share them and like have a thread about it or whatever but like there's so much shit that goes on and like I'm really grateful actually that like there are still publications because like if LA Times got bought like it is really dark like it is a dire situation like that's why people need to vote because like I don't know I was like like talking to like Nithya and I was like I mean not she wouldn't listen to me or anything but like I, maybe she would but I was like imagine if our city would give 10 million dollars a year to media publications right like so like I don't know like you could apply for a grant and it was from the city and like whatever like everyone knew about it and like I don't know even like for your podcast like you could say you got $20,000 that'd be amazing right you'd be so amped and you could do cool things with like just a little bit of money mm-hmm. meanwhile they're spending a billion dollars a year on the fucking more like multi like billions LA county spends 3 and a half billion dollars on the sheriffs i think LA was three billion or something something insane, right? That's like minimum and this isn't even counting like Beverly Hills spends like a million dollars on their cops millions of dollars on their cops. Like all these places like I think like seventy or something, something outrageous, right? All these places are spending money. So we're talking like seven billion dollars a year on fucking law enforcement. Imagine if we spent like <laughs> half that, right? It's still a lot of money on law enforcement. More than I would like. But like what could you do with three and a half billion dollars? Probably something valuable that would make our place a lot better. That, that might be the that might be the end right there. On that note No no funny cop yeah. joke. This but. has been another episode of the FCFC Pod. Appreciate y'all joining us. Go fucking vote. Yeah, uh you can vote by mail. You can yep. vote by I, I don't remember the exact date for California's last the uh what to drop for, it off. For, for mail. I, I don't know the yeah. exact date of it. but It's extremely easy in California to vote by mail. It's extremely easy to drop off. It's extremely easy to vote at many locations, including LAFC Stadium. So go vote if you don't vote Center, by mail. Right? Yeah. Go just fucking vote. Yeah. And care about the Vote for George Gascon. Yes. And, like, will the land voter guide, like, you know, 
I think we're pretty right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, it's get one sent to your house. It would be so weird. Visit it online. Yeah, like, like, I think I'm pretty right. Land, landmag.com or landmag.com. Land yeah, land and thanks for hearing us ramble. And no. yeah, thanks for not. Thank you guys off. so much for yeah. coming, man. I learned a lot today. And yeah, thanks for thank, having me. I thank y'all for listening. Hell yeah. Fear of realizing things. FCFC. FC, FC. FCFC. FSA, 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 FSA,